Welcome back to Factory Sealed. It is September 8th, 2019. My name's Eric Peterson. Joining me today, Mr. Mike Tyson. Hey, I'm back. Hello. How are we doing? Woo. Hey. Hi, everyone. Hey. We got Mr. Tom hey, Reagan. Hey, hey fellas. <laughs> you must finish Red Dead. <laughs> sure, Dave. <laughs> Don't know. He's still awake, so. Uh, <laughs> he's still oh, alive. For fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Barely 10 seconds in. Already, with the dicks. already taking the piss. <laughs> and filling in for Dan Curtis, we got Mr. Zach Foley. Hello. At least he's not filling in Dan Curtis. <laughs> How do we know that he's <laughs> just, just, just cement straight into cement straight into his mouth? <laughs> oh, I was I went completely the other direction yeah. with that. Yeah. I was about human taxidermy here, but <laughs> I, was, I was about the intercourse, the, the Johnson. Yeah. Well, I, I don't saying, know which one's inst- more messed up. I don't. Instead of filling him with sand, filling just with like with cold porridge, so that he always stays like squishy, and you can mold him in any way you want. <laughs> I'm an American. Hi, I don't eat porridge. It's oatmeal. <laughs> now, what's this porridge you speak of? I heard about it once in a child's fairy bit, tale. Bit, bit of porridge. <laughs> hey, porridge is delicious. Yeah. It's just oatmeal. It's, it's just they call it oatmeal over here. Yeah. Yeah, but porridge it sounds a bit more rustic, doesn't it? Oh, come here and get your porridge. Mother Bear and Father Bear were still looking for this. Mommy, can I have some more porridge, please? <laughs> you don't know my background. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. I was on the streets until I was 11 T and 30 bits. <laughs> oh, we missed you. That's Mike. why I don't have a haircut. I couldn't afford one. <laughs> <laughs> How are we doing, guys? I've missed this. We're good. We're good. You weren't even supposed to be here. No, I haven't. Spoilers for later on. I've not played the game because I wasn't supposed to be here. <laughs> Welcome. You didn't miss much. Uh, yeah, this was one that was... Mm. Hey, hey, let's not break last week's record of mentioning the game too early. <laughs> God. Well, so I mean, you we, guys br- we've already set porridge records, so... You guys brought this up because I mentioned this to you guys. I was listening to the Paper Mario episode recently and like literally, oh no, 11 minutes in, you guys, you it's just, it's just... Dan and Eric and you're like oh yeah shall we get onto the game I was like wow they're getting onto that quickly and you literally talk about it for 10 maybe 15 seconds before going oh yeah also I've been playing Xenoblade Chronicles yada 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 <laughs> to go on like this full 20 minute tangent yeah, that sounds like them Dan and I haven't had a <laughs> solid two man show in a while those tend to not have much direction yeah, true <laughs> oh god Oh, God. Oh, what's happened? Oh, I don't know. What's happened? There we go. People that are watching the video are going to have a little bit of a treat. Well, that, like <laughs> strobe lighting that was just happening. No, 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 no. Uh, Eric's having a rave. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, well, I want to know what it is. <laughs> Let's see. Well, then you'll have to watch Let's it. See. <laughs> Let's see. I'm, I'm living it, Eric. I don't need to watch it. Oh, no, I'm not living it. You'll have to watch it because you won't know what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm oh. having a treat because I have to watch the entire show with Tom's rape face picture right below the four of you. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all zoomed in. It's great. You it's know, just- I think the most ex- the, the thing I'm most excited for about Tom's wedding are the wedding pictures. 
yeah. <laughs> oh, I think that's where the cat's not so I went, to. I went to a wedding fairly recently and I found my creepy face, creepy smile on a few of his photos. <laughs> he's going to be the photographer at my wedding. So Excellent. he's pretty good at scoping it out. <laughs> I just don't want to... I just don't understand. Like, I don't know You either. don't look creepy in real life. Thanks. I well, appreciate like, it. Just, Let's you know, Let's you're not. a good looking guy. Why do you... What, what happens Thanks. in photos? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I just... I, maybe a camera shy, maybe? Just... I see a camera, I think. <laughs> That's not a shy Makes face, Makes you turn Tom. into a That's demon. Not, <laughs> you don't get shy from that face. <laughs> Some sort of fatal frame action. I was going to say, it's like the, the camera takes a photo. It catches his inner soul. <laughs> Just and now the whole, whole, like, <laughs> the whole lake dumping about, thing comes out. I was about to say, he starts thinking about Red Dead, just like, I'm a killer. And I dumped so many bodies in that game. I think it took me an extra 10 hours because of that. Yeah. Had to make it entertaining somehow, didn't you? Wow, listen to this guy. Listen to this guy. Now substitute bodies for horses, and then you'll understand why I didn't finish. <laughs> I think I made it 15 hours in and went, well, I've killed a lot of horses. I should probably. <laughs> the game could no longer generate any more horses. I only had two horses the whole game. What? My, my, no, both, my, original, dead. my original steed died like about 10 missions before the end. No, 20 missions before the end. Did you call him Blinky? He was called Corvax. Oh, well, that's much more middle class. <laughs> that's not funny at all. That's cool, nice. yes. yeah. I thought it'd be good. Mine was, called shadow f- Mine was called Bullet Could Receptacle. Run, Shadowfax, show them my, the meaning of haste. My original horse was called the first of many. Actually, I think uh, I had the white one and I called it Ghost Attack. Nice. Oh, Tom! Did you ever come across the glitch in Breath of the Wild? Was just called horse. There was a there was a glitch in that game where um, a very small section of land, if your horse walked across it, it would spontaneously combust. Did you ever watch that video? (laughs) No, dude, I'll have to dig it up for you. It's so funny. It's it's literally one small patch of uh, of land that goes over um, uh, a path. So. If you're standing there and random people ride by on their horses, their horse will just combust and kill them. Is that, did it get patched? I think it got patched out, yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> sports, sports. I, know. I thought you were going to say, there's one small glitch in that game where if you played it just right, you could have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Virtual high five. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Tom. One of the four of us that finished it? Dan did, too. Yeah. Oh, Dan, did, did, but did you, Zach? Uh, I got about 27 hours into that game just looking for... And it, again, it wasn't that I hated the game. I, it's just way too semi for me. It's oh, a technical yeah. marvel. The game is gorgeous. Yeah. There's a ton to do. It's just... It, it's yeah. missing... I couldn't kill the bathhouse girls. I mean, there was just no Grand Theft Auto <laughs> fun in it for me. So I'm good. <laughs> I about that. Yeah. But what Wait. I found was that all the sim stuff could just be left alone in the end. Well, unless you get yeah, off the horse she, and you got to take your gun out. Huh? Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that I guess. But. I, I did have fun with the online mode way more than I thought. Um, but that oh, yeah. was because I made like the ugliest, most slack jawed character on the face <laughs> of the earth. And I named him something just totally wretched. And then people would actually run from me when I showed up. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> and then my, my quest to become like the first serial killer of Red Dead Redemption online was it was realized. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta take my 
I got to take oh, my antics take online. my experience online. Yeah. Uh, I just, the online portion was not bad. It was actually really fun. Watching you play through it, Tom, it, it kind of sparked a little bit of me like, I should really go back and try oh, this. But am I enjoying a game at the moment? I better quit this and play something I don't <laughs> like. <laughs> Eric Peterson's like, you know me. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, I have started and stopped a lot of games in the past two weeks. Ooh, buddy. Just, right. So yep. this has been an ongoing joke with me with Eric on our WhatsApp about the amount of games that Eric starts and just like as soon as something new and shiny comes along he'll go and he'll just quit what he's playing even though he's completely enjoying it and go and play something else and the funny thing is the games he doesn't enjoy he sticks out example spirit tracks <laughs> and if Dan if Dan is listening to this <laughs> I know he's going to go oh, fucking spirit tracks oh, sick of spirit tracks yeah oh, it's crazy doing with it. spirit like, tracks uh, get away <laughs> hearts breath of the wild the getaway like these sorts of games i just you cannot laugh. believe <laughs> you just gotta throw that <laughs> to get it in there but like that's, the games he doesn't Tom's enjoy redemption <laughs> he just just tortures himself and carries on playing them and finish this yeah but that finishing spirit tracks is is a point of pride because that game is real bad <laughs> it's like finishing the adventures of Link. You just have to do it. Zach, have you the, have you beat Spirit Tracks? Have you uh, played no, Spirit No, but Tracks? I watched my wife blow it. And <laughs> Spirit Tracks as well. <laughs> no, I watched my wife uh play through that and it, it got me all the way through. I have to blow into a mic to play this game. And oh, I was dude, like, that's no, so I'm bad. not doing that. It's I'm so... not doing that. <laughs> but I feel like I, I have to have that under my belt as a Zelda fan and say that I've beaten it and then I can strongly recommend nobody to ever play it ever yeah I feel the same way about the Adventures of Link Adventures of Link was better I've never played it I don't know Adventures Mm. of Link goes on my list of games that I just I can't figure out why I liked it in the first place you didn't have to blow into a mic yeah you didn't have to pull on a train horn that was definitely part of it but the original Zelda, you were supposed to like whistle into the mic. So I, I don't know. It's just it's not my thing. All right, you're mere weeks away from me receiving your uh, oh. Link's Awakening oh. limited edition, though. Mm-hmm. Hold on, I need a <laughs> need another pair of pants. That's in <laughs> September, isn't it? That's a that's yeah, thirteen it's days. Twentieth, isn't it? Yeah, thirteen. We're close. No, twelve days. Holy shit! Twelve days. Yeah. Holy Excellent. shit! Yeah, so if I'm not done with this crap pile that Dan has given us for the next show, uh, I will not be finishing it. <laughs> oh my god! I started it yeah. last night. It's rough. It's, I am so long. It's rough. He Woo. said he played it all day from 10 a.m. until I don't know whatever time it was in the UK and got two missions done very late. Uh, yeah, wasn't no not to, no not two missions, but he got about eight missions done but that's like an entire day of gaming which we don't have <laughs> <laughs> how many Let's missions are there we can't finish uh well if you I break, can't remember i can't remember but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a 17 hour game but if you break if you break that down that's 17 hours i assume on average if you know what you're doing if you know what you're doing so we don't yeah. so it'll be about 30 <laughs> That's yeah. that's roughly I mean, two generous hours. A few extra hours. Yeah. Okay. So let's figure it's a twenty-hour game. Yeah. We're looking at over an hour a day in that game just to ensure we beat it for the show. To bear in mind, like Dan plays games for like twenty-seven hours a day, so 
He's hardcore. <laughs> He's fucking hardcore. I'm too busy going to the store. Can yeah. you can you remember? It, it was in it was on a WhatsApp chat. It was a few months ago. We were like joking about Dan completing games so quickly and the amount he completes. And he reckoned, oh no, I'll just play for an hour a night. Bullshit. <laughs> How? Unless he's super competent at these no, games. No, he's, I don't no, know. no, bullshit. He plays all night. Because I get on at like five or six o'clock at night, which is, you know, well into the wee hours of the night you were time and he's up playing something. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Got it. Sh- he is shitting you, is what he's doing. <laughs> no, oh no, I, I didn't, didn't believe him. I didn't, Thanks, did not believe him. <laughs> Dan is just surrounded by cans of Red Bull and Nodos. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dan. I imagine, I imagine he gets home from work, kicks in the door, <laughs> maybe takes his shoes off. And just runs so upstairs. Just like, you know when you used to get his coat onto Crystal's face. Yeah, you know how when you guys used to get home and and your parents were at home and you would just run to your room and just pop in the games. Like parents are at home, want to play games and drink soda, and like you're just really excited to get there. He kicks in the door and just sprints up the stairs and throws the door open, hits his head on the corner of the wall, and then just sits down, closes his children's curtains. Yeah. <laughs> I Hold on, Tonto and Silver. Yeah. <laughs> he just like, puts a little sheet over his head. <laughs> Did you guys ever used to do that where you put a blanket over the top of the TV and then have it come over the back of you so you felt like you were in this big cinema? I know it's called a fire scene. hazard. <laughs> How is that a fire hazard? <laughs> I used to do that all the time. Ooh, it's getting awfully toasty in here. <laughs> Why is the screen I like melting? The, I like the cancer coming off of the CRT to be directed into my face. Got it. Makes sense. I don't want to let any of those rays escape. Yeah. I, no, I, I, but I did put some time yesterday into, uh, I started a plague tale. Yes. Yes. Oh, good stuff. Yeah. Yes. I'm five chapters in. I, well, oh. I just finished chapter four. I'm on five. Let me tell you I what, had, Tom. Whew, yeah. You are in for a treat. Oh, buddy. I'm not too much further ahead of you, but you are at the point where things start to get uncomfortable. I, I already, already feel like I'm being treated pretty well with this game. I really like it. I am. I am just absolutely blown away that this game did not do better than it did. Yeah. I kind of went, came out under the radar a little bit, didn't it? It really did. Like yeah. It's actually yeah. really difficult to find. Hmm. Yeah. The reviews are really strange. Like People seem to either love it or not necessarily hate it, but said it wasn't that great. It, it, there was no kind of middling reviews. Most yeah. of the major outlets gave it a solid 9 or a 10. Yeah, and if you look on Steam, a lot of people sort of misconstrue it as a walking simulator, which it is it not. It is not yeah, in the it least. Is, it is less of a walking simulator than Blair Witch, and I love the Blair Witch. Oh, we'll get into that. We will get, oh, we into, will get that. into that. Woo! That's a great game. We've got some stuff <laughs> but, uh, to talk about. Yeah, I picked it up on Steam on sort of the show recommendation, just to plug you a little bit. And I have to say, in, in addition to it being really fun, man, can that game make my PC sweat. And I have like oh, a top gorgeous. of the end card and it's in 4K. It, it, my card like just douses the room in steam. It's crazy. I think it's so you're it's talking about Plague's Tale still. Yeah. I yeah, yeah. Sorry. I think it's really difficult to actually talk much about that game uh, without spoiling, spoiling things. Yeah. But I would be the one thing I will recommend. I know we have a lot of people in our, our community that like to play games with their significant other. This is 100% one of those games because it's. Yeah, it's a really cool mesh of game and movie. There's no yeah. HUD whatsoever. Oh, well, I shouldn't say whatsoever, but it it disappears after you're done using it. So a lot yeah. of the game is complete immersion. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's not over the top with the puzzles that you need to do. Nothing's overly complicated, but, um, you know, it gives you enough to to uh, mull over and and work on with your significant other to just talk about certain things. But it's just the level of uncomfortableness that this game throws at you is just crazy. Yeah. 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 If, I, and without spoiling anything, I can say that if you have any sort of aversion to any sort of um, mice pest control, anything like that, this may not be for yeah, you, but no. God, it's good. <laughs> the, the thing with, I think the one thing that really makes this game, if you have if you have a really good audio system, crank it or a really good pair mm. of headphones, um, the soundtrack in this game is phenomenal. There was a yeah. there was a section that you're coming up to, Tom, that um you kind of you you kind of feel like you've broken free and you have this little bit of like sigh of relief of okay things are starting to settle down and then the music starts to change subtly in the background and it's very atmospheric in how it changes Mm -hmm. and it takes a really long time for you to realize like oh my god something bad is about to happen and it's not anything that physically happens but it's just this new locale that you come on and it it the the music physically preps you for it with the sense of eeriness and unease and you come up over that hill and it's just like your emotions are already prepped for what you don't know you're going to see and you're like oh my god this is fucking terrible oh jesus but they've yeah, done such really an unsettling. amazing job it's very tense it's very like immersive as you say and and if you're playing it with someone else it's very much a shared experience and i think that's what i really like about it um, and I bought it thinking it was going to be probably a little bit more on the walking simulator side. And I was kind of prepared for that. And I was kind of pleasant, pleasantly surprised when it was a bit more action orientated. Um, and it kind of divided those two bits up pretty it's well. It's very like, stealth though. Like you have to really enjoy stealth. stealth. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Thankfully. Which is I, interesting I for you, Tom, cause you, you love a walking simulator. I do. I do. And, and like this definitely has some walking sim areas where you're not you're just kind of moving forward the story's progressing but it's you know, it's plot of, dump at that point you let it wash over you with plot dump and everything yeah but then and then you'll come to a section where like you you realize okay i have to i have to stealth my way through here and it's not entirely complex it's not very convoluted they i think the developers want you to experience story first before you have a ton of complications with gameplay and stuff um because if you are like discovered or if you're, or it's kind of game over. Like you kind of have to one shot it mm-hmm. you know, each time. Yeah, it's it's not like you've got health bars and you know stuff like that. It's what's it's really cool a, though is to see the the relationship <laughs> progress between Amicia and Hugo. Um, yeah, I think Amicia is an incredibly compelling character. Yes, really cool. And she just and, uh, came from this nobility and royalty, and and you know she you, you get the impression that she was kind of raised with this silver spoon in her mouth, and then she's just thrown into this shit situation with a little brother who she's hardly ever met because of his condition, and now she just has to not only figure out how to survive this world on her own, but also keep a little boy alive. Yeah, and and he goes really sweet as well. Like yeah. he kind of just like he's a really he's just a nice boy, and he just he doesn't know what the hell's going on, and he's so naive and and innocent to the whole to the whole thing and you're having to be almost like step up to this well at first i thought mother figure at first i thought i was really going to struggle with it because i'm not a huge fan of escort missions like so mm. think metal gear solid 2 and you have to uh carry oh, uh emmerich yeah you have to carry uh, uh her around that, sucks, that bit <laughs> it's very similar to that but hugo's not helpless and he you yeah. know the the ai is, is is quite on point with it 
Oh, Eric, just you wait until Resident Evil 4. <laughs> Man, maybe, maybe that was a better section because, you know, the kid is not complaining about the entire time about molesting his mom in a pool. You know, maybe. Because <laughs> in Metal Gear, that got kind of grating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, no, because what, cause what it is is you're, uh, you're you're either holding Hugo's hand or you're not, and so you, I I pretty much spent as much time oh, as all. possible holding <laughs> his hand because you don't need to ever really go off on your own very much. At least not where I am at the game. But when you do, you have a very finite amount of time before he starts to panic. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. I think and the scenes that are really uncomfortable him. though is like when you're running away from people and you come across this area where you have to lift Hugo up through a window or oh. up a ladder and you can just feel everybody closing in on you and you're like, yes. get up the fucking ladder, kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those bits are really good. They're really good at like uh, making everything feel quite urgent, you know? Yeah. I think, I think too, it's one of those games where the world is so well put together it feels like a character like the sense mm. of dread and just and it's a gorgeous world i mean it's not a game that's all grays and browns it's it's beautiful yeah, yeah. and you know some of the outdoor environments in particular are just friggin fabulous looking yeah. but it's kind of like the witcher in the sense that it's got a sense of foreboding about it you get a real sense that the world has kind of gone to shit and in that sense the world plays a character tom did you get to the am i uh, right in thinking oh go ahead mike so am I right in thinking it's kind of Black Death era? That's what it is. France, isn't yes. it? Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Tom, did you get to the section with the flaming windmill? Yes, I did. That's the. I very rarely actually use photo mode in a game, but that's the one section where I popped out and I did a ton yeah. of like really random photos of it because it looks so cool. Yeah, I, I love a good photo mode, and uh, especially in a game where it, where it looks as good as this. So. I was popping into that a few times too, taking some screen grabs. I was telling you last night, if this game continues to track for me the way that it has been, it will absolutely be on my game of the year list. Yeah, I think so it almost um, is for me already. We're playing through it very similar to how we did with the Walking Dead games where you do one episode at a time. So we're treating each chapter as an episode and we're doing one chapter a night. So it's going to take a us to a couple weeks to get through it. And, you know, if we if we sit down and play, one of the chapters is only like, 20 minutes long we're like yeah you want to do another one um but yeah i enjoy playing it through that way because you have time to absorb what's happening i think far too often if you just pound through a game you just kind of miss the finer details of things you don't really take the time to absorb it and and really sink yourself into this world and i'm definitely guilty of that um mainly for the show we just pound through games and this one i definitely want to take the time to just be a part of yeah, yeah, it's interesting because my wife and I were, were talking the other day about, um, you know, even you see that in, in lots of media, you know, now Netflix is doing their thing where they're not going to, you know, allow you to sit there and binge a show because they're going to start sort of releasing episodes a week. I remember very specifically watching a show like Twin Peaks. And, you know, when you kind of pound through a show like that and binge watch it, it doesn't give you a chance to sit back and reflect on it. Yeah, it doesn't give yeah. you a chance to sit back and, you know, sort of speculate and come up with your own theories of stuff and have that moment of, ah, shit, I was wrong, you know, or, oh, yeah, you know, and, well, and be kind of validated to, by that. I think back to the Manitank podcasts that I did with um, Matt and Kevin and Oliver when the Walking Dead games were coming out. And that's exactly how we did it. We, you know, we would we were playing through the episodes as they came out and, and just thinking back on those conversations and the speculation and just that, that 
you know, that conversation around what's going to happen, what you think is going to happen. And then you, you revisit it the next episode. You're like, oh man, were you right? You know, you were wrong. Although I called this and it's just a really neat way to play through a game. Obviously you can't play through all games like that, but I think there is something to be said about just dialing it back and enjoying a playthrough. I think, I mean, going back to the TV show thing that um, Zach was on about that, in terms of culture and things being in the zeitgeist and stuff like that, the binge culture almost removes that for TV shows. I mean, you think if something is thrown onto Netflix and people can just binge watch it, you know, people will watch it, you know, over one weekend, they'll get to, you know, if an average nine to five, you know, in the office or anything like that goes to the office, they'll talk about, oh, I watched the series, this happened, yada, yada, discuss, done. Whereas like, you know, take your series that are still out on TV, like big ones, take Game of Thrones, for example, you know, there's six to 10 weeks of episodes and every single week, you know, it's in the zeitgeist, you know, the, the people are going into work and discussing it and, you know, oh, what will happen next week? And then as it's getting towards the end of the week, you know, there's all the speculation about what's going to happen. And then there's also, you know, the, the side of it with the actors and things like that. It's all, it's, it's at the forefront of everyone's media for so long, rather than just that small blip where yeah, people yeah. have binge watched it. Well, and, so I can see I- why, I can see why Netflix are starting to go to this model where I know this isn't gaming related strictly, but I know see why something like Netflix is going to that model where they're not letting mm-hmm. people kind of binge watch it anymore. And it can work with games as well. You know, you have that bit, you're playing that little bit here and there as you go through there and week and you can, you can talk about it for longer. You know, if, if we could do games over multiple episodes and really take our time, we'd, we'd really look into them much more. Yeah. yeah I mean, and I'm not true. saying I, I think that model is right or I think that model is wrong. Obviously there's some real advantage to, Hey, you know, my show showed up this weekend and I can sit there and watch the whole thing. And Oh yeah. Yeah. But, but then I people expect more it, content more frequently. Maybe you know, we are consuming think, content. I think at there's a advantages to both rate. models. Yeah. I think there's advantages to both models. Um, but I, I do, I do definitely see it in my sort of propensity to sit there and just blast through a game that I end up missing stuff or I don't have time well, in, to sit there and reflect. In regard to so, Netflix, yeah. like Mike was saying, though, um, a perfect example of that is uh, 13 Reasons. Have you guys watched through that series? No. No. Yeah. Oh, buddy, you guys got to watch that. That is an uncomfortable series. Um, but that's a prime example of a show that they probably should have just released an episode at a time because it's really powerful. They touch on a lot of really uncomfortable subjects from um, I, I know the premise yeah, of it. Suicide, yeah. sexual assault, and bullying and all of that stuff. And it, it It's a great series for uh, teens to watch because it, it touches on a lot of that stuff. But you know, we mm-hmm. consume content so quickly that you're just going to pound through four or five episodes at a time, if not more. And you're going to you're going to miss that window, like Zach said, to just sit back and reflect and absorb the actual information within that episode. But if it's well, a show I mean, that I've watched 100 times before, like Battlestar, you better bet your ass I'm going to sit and watch 10 episodes in a row. Sure. Well, I mean, and everybody that's that's something that I absolutely think is terrific about having just huge globs of shows in that example or, or you know certainly this can apply to games there are certain things that i have in the background on constantly and all the time like i watch frazier um oh, yes. and it's just because yes. it's one of those shows that i can put on in the background i can probably quote entire episodes to you <laughs> but i have it on in the background constantly and i love having the ability just to sit there and you know while i'm working on something just have it play in the background yeah, it's and like it's, the office yeah, it's not obtrusive. It's something that's familiar. It's something that I find funny. It's something that, you know, I can watch and not worry about my kids watching it. So I absolutely love that. But I'm not sure what the model of content should look like for games. I, I can say that there are certain things that you should just blast through altogether 
in immediate bursts um, and you will miss nothing. And in fact, it's probably better for you to do that. And my example for that for the week is the game Control. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> control came out this week. I almost um, was going to buy that until I asked you about it. Yeah. And it's not a terrible game. I don't want anybody to think that I think it's an awful game. Remedy um, Studios made it. Remedy is the company that also made Max Payne uh, way back when. Some of those games were absolutely tremendous. And then they went into a series of games that I did not enjoy, like Quantum Break, for example. Hmm. Um, Alan Wake were, as well. I'm sorry. Yeah. Alan Wake was just OK for me. Uh, but Control was this super hyped up. And obviously, there's a lot of marketing push into that game because it got a lot more coverage than I believe that it deserves. Um, but Quantum Break was just um, what should have been a 10 hour long action game that they tried to put a story to. And the game is worse when you sit there and focus on the story. Like it Which is unfortunate because it had a great, yeah. great concept. It's, it's a shame because I have Quantum Break on my backlog because I really like what Remedy do with stuff like Max Payne and I didn't mind Alan Wake too much. But uh, uh, that's a shame to hear that it, it's a bit middling, <laughs> a bit mixed. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it tries this sort of, um, and, and I don't want to spoil anything for anybody that wants to play it. You should play yeah. it because it plays cool. really well. Um, and I got it specifically for my part, my PC because I have an RTX card and it does amazing things with light and ray tracing. And that's another yeah. whole episode worth of talking through how that works. Ray tracing. Um, but I will say that it is an action game in its heart and it tries this sort of Dark Souls-esque model of telling a story. And mm. there is just not enough of it there that like if you really pay attention to it and you try and get through it, you're going to get to the end and be really disappointed. Mm. Right. It's not like Dark Souls where it leaves it open and you go, oh, I bet it was about this or about that. You were just like, what the hell happened? (laughs) Interesting. Unlike Alan Wake, which was very story driven. We're playing that next year. Alan Alan Wake. Yeah, you put it on me. That's one of our choices. Alan Wake, it wasn't my favorite game, but I thought it did a great job with its narrative. See, I was interested in Control. Um, yeah, you know, I too. liked the look of it and everything. And, you know, it was another one of those games reviews. Like, some places were giving it, like, nines, and other places were giving it, like, sixes. Um, but one review that stuck out to me, uh, which was with someone who, like, I generally agree with their, their kind of thoughts on games, and they said that it felt a little bit like a PS3 360 action game at heart. And I was like, well, I, d- I do kind of want to, like, I do still want to play it. I do want to play it, but I've, I've got too much on at the moment to play something that necessarily feels like that. Yeah. Would you, would you agree with that, Zach, having played it or? Yeah. I mean, and it's, like I said, it's um, sort of gameplay loop is good. It's really solid. It's, you know, it's got some meat to it, but I just, I didn't enjoy its sort of narrative. Um, and it's, it's suffered. I think that comparison is actually really, really interesting because I think what they were trying to do with the environmental design of that game is make it very bleak and very oppressing and very, and to be quite honest, it felt like a reason to demo ray tracing um, because the environments are all these very um, sort of modern. It's like an office building. Yeah. It's an office building, but it's all very gray slate concrete with lots of reflective surfaces. So, I mean like the whole thing feels like a tech demo for ray tracing, if I'm honest. Got it. Um, And it doesn't make much sense. I mean, if you looked at this building, it's, it's kind of like a resident evil office in terms of why the fuck would anybody work in an office that has hallways that have 70 foot tall ceilings, you know, (laughs) like the building itself doesn't make sense. Maybe we're the bad guys. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But I mean, and again, 
I can see that like if you had made control um, and released it as, hey, this is a demo for RTX functionality and video cards. And this is the reason that you spend, you know, two thousand dollars on a video card. And hey, there's a little game to it. I'd have been absolutely fine with it. But on its own as a game, it does feel like that sort of it it feels like Max Payne with less story. It has an interesting game game loop. And and I just don't care about anything that happens on uh, 360, uh, maybe PS3 as well. Uh, stranglehold and yes wet yeah. remember wet as well wet. Another one. yeah those two games like they kind of remind me of control or control reminds me of those two that, that kind, kind of, of like, double a standard kind of almost sort of yeah old thq style game like but there's nothing wrong with but at times yeah. some action yeah like all that kind of stuff um i don't mind yeah. j- jumping into those every now and again if control can satisfy like scratch that itch then I'll wait till it's about like when it goes on sale prices kind of thing. Like yeah. 20, I, it, 25 I, pounds. I, I think it's fine for that. Yeah. Honestly, not to, I, I, not to I, sound I, like Dan, but I think it'll be something that will end up on either PS plus or game pass. Eventually. I think you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I think before you, the end of next year. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Speaking, speaking of game pass, did anybody play, play uh, gears of war five? No, no, yeah. I've not actually played a Gears game. Um, I, I mentioned this to Dan the other day, and I think he's actually put the first one for late next year for the show. Yeah, it's it's another Gears of War game, which yeah. is not <laughs> bad or good, um, but it's, it, it, it is a flat-out Gears of War game. That's it's really like pretty. when Resistance so, 3 came out. Well, this is another Resistance game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's a game based on Gears I tell Gears you what, man, game. side note, not to, not to deviate, those resistance games were great. I know that they came out at a weird time, uh, oh, right man. around Halo. But you know, Resistance One was lackluster, but man, Three was incredible. Three was really good, yeah. um, and kind of a bit uh, underestimated. Yeah, is Resistance the one that's by the Horizon guys, Gorilla? Uh, no, Insomniac. That? No, that's Killzone. You're thinking of Killzone? Yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah, of. Uh, These, no. this is Insomniac. Yeah, and. But actually, Resistance One is really rough. It's super. Well, it was rough. a launch it's, title for the PS3. I know yeah. it's when they used um, the, you know, because they swapped the triggers around for future FPS games on the PS3 because that controller sucks for triggers, right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, so they they didn't do it for Resistance, and so you got these soft triggers. Yeah, L two R two that you had to press oh. all the way into. Yes, yeah, it, it was, sucks. It really affects that game. It's such such a shame. <laughs> But story-wise, phenomenal. Good. Yeah. yeah, I thought Resistance stories were brilliant. Maybe we'll put that on the show. Yeah, Resistance. Yeah, God, I can't believe that the PS3 titles are already eligible for the show. This is bad. It's Ugh. it's crazy. Well, yeah, I, we're doing Arkham Asylum soon, aren't we? Oh yeah. I can't believe that's ten years old. <laughs> next year we're doing Metro. I choked on my fucking Cheerios when I read that Tony Hawk's Pro Skater turned twenty. Did you guys see Jesus. that there's a, a documentary Jesus. coming out? Did you see the trailer for that? Mm. It's uh, the, the um, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a, it, it's this in-depth dive about the making of the Tony Hawk Pro Skater series. Oh, they had a really sweet. cool little vignette of it, and it looks so cool. Oh, that'd, that'd be definitely interesting. Because they just released a, a Neversoft game, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'll see if I can find the trailer for it and link it, but it was, um, it looked really cool. Tony, Tony Hawk released a short little, uh, I think it was on Twitter, um, minute and a half video of some unreleased capture footage for um, mocap footage for uh, Tony Hawk One that didn't end up getting put in the game. 
So it's just him <laughs> in a half pipe in a ball suit doing weird tricks. <laughs> so cool. Eric, you and I played Tony Hawk on the uh, PlayStation 1 Classic when we were out in Missouri. Fuck yeah, that game's so good. That was the yeah, first thing that I, I fired up in my PlayStation Classic. I played through most of it in one sitting. I forgot how short that game really is. Yep. We played, uh, we played it on the live stream too as one of our challenges. Yeah, and I wiped the floor with you. No, I think Dan beat us all. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because he kept manu- like manual in. Oh, I thought yeah. you were talking about when we did our one-on-one challenge, you and me. Mm-mm. No, I, I, yes, you, I remember you, fondly playing the Tony Hawk on PlayStation 1 and going, thank God there's a Dreamcast version. Because <laughs> <laughs> the game is a little rough in like the 12 frames a second that it kicks out on PlayStation. Yeah, but 13-year-old skateboarder Eric loved it. Oh, I actually yeah. came into that series in, on the, the sequel. 2 was so good. Oh, I think skateboard two, 2 was super good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so good. Yeah. 2 was tremendous. Yeah. Back in the days when I had a chipped PlayStation, you used to get copied games of a mate of mine. <laughs> yeah. As soon yeah. as 2 came out, I was like, yes, getting that. So I know that Mike and I have something that we want to ghost attack about, and it's the main reason that Mike's actually on the show today, uh, <laughs> since he didn't bother to play what we're playing. I wasn't uh, supposed to be here. I know, but then but You're then this game devil. came out. Yeah, but you didn't bother, Mike. <laughs> you didn't even try. That's the way we're I working just it. Done a- done Dan and like watched it on YouTube <laughs> or played it and been like I don't want to finish this so I'm not coming on the show <laughs> yeah, that's, what he did. that's essentially what he did I just I fancy, so, I fancy a Sunday off <laughs> so I so for some context I I said I'd like to come on the show so we can like chat about Blair Witch plus I've missed being on you know and uh Eric goes well don't forget Zach's coming on I was like oh Christ like we've never had all five of us at once like is it not like going to be a bit much like having all five of us? Like, I don't mind not coming on. And Dan was like, oh, no, I'll take a weekend off. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's, I don't know, five out of six chapters done with Mark of Cree. Like, you just don't want to finish it. But yes, so let's talk about this game. I know this isn't retro related, but I think this game deserves a bit of conversation because of what it what it touches on. And, just, and it seems to have gone under the radar a little bit as well for some people. It has, considering how much attention it got when it was first announced at E3. So and Also, can you believe that was only announced at E3 this year? Yeah, incredible. Yeah. That's uh, mental, crazy. isn't it? In case you missed it, we, we're referring to uh, Blair Witch that just came out on Xbox and PC a week ago. A week from last Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you... If you haven't got Game Pass, it's on both the PC version of Game Pass and the Xbox version of Game Pass for free. It was it was out day and date, but it is on Steam. I think in America it's thirty dollars. Yeah, I think yeah. it's twenty four ninety nine here. Tom Reagan's inside sources. It's coming. No, to, yeah, it's uh, January January twenty ninth, twenty twenty. It will be on the Switch. Uh, you look out for it. It's Blair Switch. It's got. It just put a small red S before the W. Um, that should be hitting the shop on. U.S., Canadian, and European regions. Uh, the new Scarlet Letter. <laughs> you heard it here first. Blair Switch. Oh, God. Speaking of ridiculous names, this is a little bit of a tangent. You guys seen that they're bringing Tokyo Mirage Sessions from the Wii U onto Switch, and yeah. they've called it something like Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp F.E., Switch edition or some bullshit like that. That's like the Dragon oh, Age 11. Jesus. When they were talking about that oh, yeah. on the uh, Nintendo Direct, it's like, good Lord, that's a mouthful to say. Dragon oh, Quest. Dragon Quest Eleven. The Echoes of uh, Echoes of Time or something. Definitive Edition S. Okay. <laughs> or yeah, it, uh, something of an elusive age. 
Yeah. Good Lord. Definitive edition S. Nothing's worse than Red Faction Gorilla Remastered. Uh, yeah, that's too many syllables. Yeah, or the, uh, the the zone of the Enders. Um, the second the the second run they did the the VR version oh. of it with the 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 second runner. I think it's called. Yeah, but they they did something with the A and the R to turn it into a V and an R. Brilliant. Yeah. I don't <laughs> Marketing team fired. <laughs> no, the, the, the original uh, Rondo of Blood in Japanese was Super Castlevania Dracula X Rondo of Blood. Oh that's pretty God. awful. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, man. The stuff they used to do with the Street Ladies and gentlemen, titles. Zach Foley in a <laughs> Castlevania reference. Shocker. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> he cannot be on the show and not say something about Castlevania. Nope. <laughs> Just wait until I talk about the Mega Man game that I've been playing this week. Whew. Oh, God. But back to Blair Witch. Yes. Because you're yes. right. It deserves so, your attention. So, yeah, oh, for sure. So, yeah, it's it's cheap game, like, you know, 30 bucks for the experience you get. And how many hours would you say, you guys say, is what, seven, eight hours? Uh, I put in about 10. Around there. Yeah. Yeah. If you know I'll what you're doing, through. it's probably about seven to nine hours. Hmm. Um, but I did but not. in terms of horror experience, this this is, I I love horror games. I've, I've said many times how much I love playing horror games on this show. And, um you know, I I like to play them alongside Hazel because she's shit games, so she like enjoys watching with me. And this, in terms of, that. in terms of the, uh, oh, I tell her all the time. In terms of the actual creepiness, the there are some jump scares, uh, but it doesn't rely on them at all. The feelings of isolation, just the idea that anything can happen to you at any one moment, and then the sort of weirdness and everything like that. I bold statement, but. In terms of the horror aspect, this is one of the best horror experiences I've ever played. I would agree. I would wholeheartedly yeah. agree. I did not have high expectations for this game. I remember watching the trailer for it when it was announced. I'm like, before they said it was Blair Witch, this game looks fantastic. This looks terrifying. And then they said Blair Witch. And then, you know, my my whole preconceived notion of the Blair Witch franchise kicked in. And we're like, well, that's going to suck now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the first Blair Witch movie really kicked off that whole found footage genre, and then it just kind of took a shit after that. Um, but oh, I, there was a there was a Blair Witch game before, and it was absolute ass. It was the uh, Rust and Par games. Oh, I don't remember those. They were PC yeah. games. They were god awful. <laughs> but but I this will, is different. I will fully agree with Mike. Um, I'm a huge Silent Hill fan. I Up until this point, I would have said that Silent Hill takes the cake in any horror game. Um, but this, Number two especially. Yeah, this one. Yeah. This one's on a whole other level of mm. unnerving. And, and I was afraid that they were just going to rely on jump scares. Um, but they don't. They, de- they delve into what makes... Uh, Silent Hill terrifying, and that's the the psyche. Yeah, the the unknown, the yeah. the the unusual things that happens. I mean, this game it it wears its influences on its sleeve. It really, really does. You can tell that like the creators of it, you know, they they love Silent Hill. They like love PT. Oh man, the um, PT influences like in the last Outlast. three hours of the game. You're, you're essentially playing PT. Yeah, but way yeah. better. Um, yeah, which seems so Crazy. strange to say because, you know, PT, considering it was just a demo as well, you know, as a teaser, playable teaser, that's what it stands for. You know, it, it has a lot to answer for in terms of what it's done for the horror genre. It yeah, really, something that never really was, it, it didn't cost anything and it existed for just a blip in the, the gaming universe has, I think, mm. functionally shifted how horror games are developed. 
Yeah, for sure. Also, um, can drastically increase the price of your PlayStation Four if you still have a copy. <laughs> hey, I never uninstalled mine, and it's gone. Yeah, mine's still what? on both my Playstations, and yeah. Did, you can find them on eBay. It'll it seriously will drag up the price of oh your PlayStation God. if you have it. Did you I'm transfer sorry, it over to your Pro? No, I never. Yeah, I, I never uh, got rid of it on my original. I still have my original PS4. That is scary, and I never uninstalled it, and it's gone. So. They remotely Kojima! Konami! <laughs> Konami. <laughs> um, but no, I just, just want to say this going forward. Um, any kind of detail that I personally am going to give about this game, I will not spoil a single I thing. I won't either. Um, if, I, no. if I mention any sort of gameplay mechanics, it's stuff that like, as soon as you get to that point, it does explain that straight away. So I'm not spoiling it for you or anything like that. But um, in terms of an actual experience itself, so the, the whole idea of the game is you you play this character called Ellis and you know nothing about him um as you go in and um you're you're with this dog called Bullet and you use as you're going through the woods obviously it starts in the daytimes you're 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 searching for this lost child and um you you use the dog to search for scents for the child and things like that and you start building this relationship with this dog so like you can pet the dog and reprimand him when he's doing things wrong and uh, you can give him treats out of your pocket and stuff like that and and essentially bullet is f- for the rest of the game is is your only real companion you you do have a radio and a phone and stuff like that well you get out there after the, the police search party yeah you know so you're supposed you to link up with radios. them and then you just never are able to yeah um so there's the interesting mechanic with the dog now i will say the this game is not perfect. Um, it is a little janky in places. Um, when I first booted it up in the first cutscene of Ellis driving to the woods in his car, I was like, what the fuck yeah. is this? Because honestly, <laughs> that car and the driving... <laughs> it was yeah. What you see it driving, you're like, what the fuck is this? Honestly, it's like almost kind of PS2 era sort of <laughs> motion. Yeah. And, the and movement it looks really isn't, narrow. The movement isn't very smooth, but... Um, the frame rate's not is great. It, is it built in Unity or something? Is it, is it not... Uh, like is it is what? It, is it an indie game? No, I'm not sure actually. Uh, yeah. uh, what is it? Boat uh, Soba Sobas? I can't remember the name. I have of to it. look it up. It's a it's a no. Ice, not Icelandic um, Scandinavian company. Hmm. But, but and uh, like the bullet sometimes can get stuck in places and there are some geometry issues. I never got go. bullet yeah. stuck, and I only personally got stuck once. There was an open door, and I just physically couldn't walk through it, and. Hmm. Like, well, I've read about this and some people said that, you know, make sure you, you run multiple saves as you're going. And I got to that point and went, well, I haven't been running multiple saves. Hopefully a reload will help. And it did. Yeah. That was the only I never time. got personally stuck. But, yeah. but you know, there, there were areas where it looks like you should walk through and it wasn't getting stuck, but areas where it looks like you should walk through. But actually that bus, that, that bush is, uh, you know, is just a hard wall and things like that. So it's not perfect, but especially in the daytimes that you can see it but once you actually start getting to the nighttime and you're relying on the torch um for light Flash and then light for north americans you know, yeah uh, yeah i don't mean like a flaming torch um and you know and you and you Which do would have been and badass by oh, the way yeah. <laughs> and obviously it being a blow witch game there is a camera you end up with a video camera um so you use like a combination of the torch and the video camera to be able to see things um and it is honestly just such an unnerving sense of fear as you're walking through the woods with only the dog to sort of guide you um and he's not always right in front of you because he'll take off and then like you you feel that sense of panic like where's bullet 
Where, where's it? And you can press a button to call him and then you just hear him bark in the distance and you get like this little on-screen indicator of where he is and you still can't see him, but his his collar slightly glows so you can see just, or, or his eyes, you can see his eyes glowing in the distance as well and you're like, is that? Oh my God. Is that bullet or is that a demon? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there, there's a, there's, there is a, a sort of a combat mechanic um, a bit later on, um, which in, involves using the torch. So there, so there are these kind of the creature, these creatures that can come attack you, and um, you have to use bullet to. You, you can't see them generally, and bullet will sort of bark in the direction, and you're having to spot them with the torch. And these moments, um, you know, they'll come out of nowhere. You'll be you'll be wandering through these dark woods by yourself, and some of the areas, a bit like the Blair Witch film, will just loop and loop and loop and be you know, which adds more to the creepiness and this you know, the terror that's going on and bullet will suddenly start barking in an area and suddenly these things are coming towards you and you have to watch where the dog's barking and be able to get the torch in the direction to, to stop them. And the intensity can just go from like naught up to like 10. Well, and I think what's really moment. important is that they never overdid it. They always gave you the sense that those things were going to show up, but they didn't show up all the time. So yeah. when they did, you're like, oh my God, they're here. They're actually here. I've been tense about this for the past four so what I thought were going to be encounters and, and then, you know, they're not here. So they definitely could have overdone it with those creatures, but they, they, they found the perfect balance. But they, they have, they, they've almost like created a fine art with this game in conditioning you to be fearful of something from the first instance. Yeah. Um, again, this isn't a spoiler, but there, there is a point later on where you get a bit of a jump scare where you, you look through a window and oh, you think God. something's there and then suddenly it jumps at you. And then, from that point onwards, just that one time it happened, every single window you approach, you you, you go towards it so carefully because you're so frightened that it's going to happen again. Yeah, and they do this so much in this game where one thing will happen and you're just from that moment you're just so fearful of it happening again. The uh, the camera mechanic too <laughs> is really neat. So as you're navigating around, you you have that camcorder that um, you know the combat mechanic is slightly optional. Um, you can turn your flashlight off and avoid the creatures by using the night vision on your camcorder. Um, Which is equally as terrifying, to be fair. Oh, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> then you're in the pitch black, and your, your camcorder is in the bottom right corner, or you can press the left trigger, and it'll pull it up. I found it way more terrifying to just leave it in the bottom right corner. Um, but uh, you'll find these tapes hidden around that kind of dump a little bit of plot, and some of them are red tapes, which then allow you to manipulate the world so you can rewind and fast forward the tape and then um, it'll show you what happened in this location where you're at um, you know like somebody running through a door so you get to this door and it's locked you have to open up your camcorder uh, watch through to the video where that door is open put the camcorder down and then that door is open and you can now walk through it so there's a little bit of reality manipulation going on there too yeah. which is you know the puzzle aspect of it isn't too terribly complex but it's just it's unique but it is creepy as well, though, because as you're watching the camera, obviously, this it doesn't go sort of full screen. It's you're looking at the the video on the camera, and um, if you if you angle it right, so if you're at the door that's closed, if you angle it right, so you can watch the door open on yeah. the video, you watch it open in real life, yep. uh, like quote unquote real life as well. And it's so fucking creepy just watching it open in front of you, <laughs> or like a big tree in the distance fall down. It's yes. fun. My, my experience is that again it's a game that the world is so oppressive that it creates this extra character that just sort of lurks in the background and it's it's i mean and i grew up in rural vermont walking through the woods at night 
is not a big thing to me and it absolutely recreates that experience and i will tell you the blair witch for me is you know it is done for walking in the woods at night what pantyhose did for finger fucking like i'm not doing it anymore <laughs> good god uh, i'm just looking at who created it, it was a uh, it was bloober team they've done are... a game called observer which i want to play yes observer is so yeah, good they also did layers of fear one and two i didn't realize well. they did oh, observer yeah. i can definitely see the influences yeah. there it's so based i didn't realize you played Krakow, Eric. the polish yeah. i haven't gotten all the way through it but i recommended it to you quite a while ago it is a really neat game ah, it's, okay. it's definitely got that blade runner feel to it no uh, you didn't abandon it did you I abandoned it. You knew the answer to that question before you asked it. Well, in Layers of Fear, I really enjoyed it. It's funny, now that you say that, I can actually see the influences of Layers of Fear, but this is ten times better. So, yeah, Layers of Fear is one of those games I've been willing to get over to, but this this as well, like, you, you do learn, as well as, like, a sort of the creepiness and everything like that, Ellis, the character himself that you play as, he's not just a one-dimensional character. You know, there are there are sort of reasons why he is the, being the victim of what's happening and you, you learn so much about him as you're going through and well, just the relationships between on speaking to people on his mobile phone and speaking to people on his um, radio, you, you learn so much about like his past and his relationships with those people as well. They do such a phenomenal job with this game too because they, they touch on something that I'm glad is becoming more normalized. Um, and the, the game is about as much about mental health as it is about the Blair Witch and horror. Um, yeah. Ellis suffers from extreme, extreme PTSD. And they never explicitly come out and say, this is exactly what happened. But you'll be walking through the woods and very early in the game, you fall down into a ravine and he starts to panic because he can't find bullet. And then the the world starts to pulsate and you start hearing helicopters and gunfire and um, radio calls happening. And the the, the world starts to shift and you see these 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 marine barricades um, and, and you get this impression and he's talking to yourself he's like it, it's in your head it's on your head just calm down breathe breathe and you get this impression that he's trying to just stave off this intense um, flashback and his ability to stave those off becomes um, less and less as the game goes on and you get into these extremely graphic uh, flashbacks so the, the game does a phenomenal job in diving into um, the world of PTSD and what, what that's actually like. And I've, I've read some reviews and some impressions of this game from people who actually have PTSD. Like this is one of the most accurate representations of extreme PTSD. Um, so to be able to actually put yourself in those shoes and be like, Jesus, this is what these people go through. This is incredible. See, I, I didn't. I, I've not read any of those things. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's really, really good. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm, I'm sure me and Tom will end up talking about it in our game of the year episodes. Both me and Tom played um, our game of the year list. Sorry, uh, but me and him both played Hellblade this year. Oh man, and that game! The things that that phenomenal. does for stress and anxiety and it's um, bipolar phenomenal. and stuff like that. And there's there's a documentary that goes along with the game that yeah. goes through them. Actually, you know, they they brought people who suffered with these things into their studio and interviewed them and and wrote down all these facts and that happened. And when I was playing through that with Hazel watching, there was there was certain parts of it that you know Hazel will know these things about these things to do with. Um, 
with the bipolar and, and everything like that. And she's like, oh, that's because of this and that's because of this. And she spotted it. And then when we watched the documentary, she was like, see, I told you. And like the, just the way they, they crafted the world to incorporate all these things, it's the same with the what they've done with the Blair Witch. And I, yeah. I didn't quite think about that. So it's nice to hear that they've done a good representation. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, when I hear PTSD, I always think of, and maybe I'm not alone in this, but when you hear PTSD, you think of war vets. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I don't I don't know if I've shared with you guys, but this the reason that I liked this game as much as I did is um, about a year and a half ago when I shared a little bit about what happened shortly after I was um, diagnosed with a mild form of PTSD as a result of that. So to kind of see what these people go through and have this representation of like this shit can happen at any time. And it doesn't have to be an extremely traumatic event. It can just be any sort of trauma that causes stress. At any moment, you can be brought back to that moment. And and you get so caught up in your head about what happened. And it, it is literally like you are back there. Um, without going into detail, I've, I've had moments where um, I was walking down the stairs and suddenly I'm in the kitchen. And I have no recollection of going from one spot to the next because I I got wrapped up in something and just that 30 seconds just disappeared. So to 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 have that representation physical and be able to experience that, um, it is it is a very true and accurate representation of of what that extreme amount of stress is like and how deeply you can get inside your own head. Well, it almost sort of quote unquote yeah. normalizes a little bit, you know, with, I've spoken many times before about how Celeste touched me and the things yeah. that, you know, Celeste represented and, and, you know, like Celeste, when you play through that, it, it normalizes how you're feeling. It's, you know, you're not alone in the person, you're not the only person who feels like that. And, and, you know, you, these things that you're feeling, it's, it's not because you're suffering from what you're suffering from. It's, it's not so weird for them to happen to you. Yeah. And, you know, I think one interesting concept that they touch on as well is that um, Ellis has you, you assume it was his wife at the time uh, Julia Jewel, Julia is that it I can't remember her name I think it was, <laughs> the name starts with a J anyway you get these bits it's of flashback been scared out of me Eric <laughs> you, you get these bits of flashback about how she's trying to work with him through all of these issues Jess but, it's Jess, Jess. Jess um, yeah but he stays clammed up and doesn't talk about it and she's trying to pull this out of him and say look i'm i'm here for you you need to talk to me about this stuff and get it out there and he doesn't and he just loses himself in this and it's it's kind of a a a great point about like talk about this stuff and i'm so glad we live in a society now where we have normalized mental health into something that's not stigmatized and um i mean we've still got a long way to go with we definitely do but i think every, every little bit helps um games like this especially without being overt about it and at the end putting up a big disclaimer it's like talk about mental health like no it's it it's just normalizing it in society and and you know hopefully by us having these conversations and and talking about it 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 helps people realize like you know what it is a it, it isn't anything to be ashamed of it's something that you know talk about it with somebody and it, it it's okay not to be okay yeah. yeah and that took me a long time to get through because I've struggled with anxiety, depression, and all of that for a large portion of my adult life, and I never talked about it until what happened happened, and I can honestly tell you that 
talking about it with people has genuinely improved the situation. It hasn't completely healed it or made it better, but it's definitely helped. Um, well, yeah. and people miss that people, you know, cause you're absolutely right. That's, that's a fairly normal thing because you hear about PTSD and people go straight to, Oh, it's people who've been in war, people who've been in these, you know, an explosion of some sort, it's traumatic stress. You have to pull out that middle section and realize that traumatic stress can be a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And I agree with Mike wholeheartedly. We have a long way to go because every time I hear somebody talking, you know, shit about somebody who has an emotional support animal, for example, that's the thing that sort of brought that home for me with the Blair Witch was that he absolutely needed bullet to get through some of this. And even I can be, you know, somebody talks about bringing their emotional sport hamster on a plane and I get kind of irritated and annoyed, but it was something that absolutely hit home for me that no, he absolutely needs this Mm -hmm. to get by. And they made it a gameplay mechanic in the game, but it Mm -hmm. really brought home to me like, no, people need different things for the different types of stress that they go through. And I think that's okay. So I agree. We have a long way to go um, because we refuse to talk about things in the light that they are. I mean, I'm not going to get political at all. But every time somebody brings up a mass shooting, you know, they always go to, why did it happen? Well, it's a mental illness. You don't go into a school and shoot up a, you know, a a room full of kids unless you are mentally ill or mentally unstable. And that didn't start there. You know, that started small and people refused to talk about it. And that's where that lands us. So it's a a different type of it's a a different type of condition that requires a different type of treatment. You know, if you're if you are sick, you take medicine. Um, You know, I I think the best way through mental illness is talking about it. At least that's what's been the most effective for me. And that's that's why I like this game. Yeah, it was it was a great horror game. But for for what it brought to the table and it wasn't overt and in your face about it and if you're not looking for it you're going to completely miss it or if you don't have that basis for comparison you're probably going to miss it um but doesn't make any less enjoyable though no absolutely not but i think i think that this game definitely needs to be praised for what it has brought to the table and what it is attempting to um attempting to to cover because it's phenomenal I got yeah, it. and I haven't seen it been praised for that sort of stuff that much. Actually, it's been praised for being a great game, but yeah, the I, points that you know we've discussed today it don't aren't they're not getting highlighted as as much as they probably should. No, and I I definitely think that anybody who yeah I think you need to be a horror fan in in the least to play this game, but um, to experience that that on screen uh, representation of PTSD and and all that other stuff we've talked about it it's definitely well worth it because it is a phenomenal representation of it. Well, I mean, and you can look at the review scores and see that you can see, you know, if you, for example, go to a site like IGN and take a look, they've scored it relatively high. Mm-hmm. If you get a GameStop and look at that or games, games, GameStop, GameSpot, sorry, <laughs> my P's and O's are in the wrong place. Um, you know, they've scored it really low and those reviewers wanted different things from the game. Um, and that's, <laughs> It, you always have to read reviewer tilt, but I'm here to tell you, if you like horror games and if you are open to a conversation about any sort of challenge with uh, anxiety, PTSD, anything, the Blair Witch is for you. hundred percent. Yeah. This is, I even if you're not a horror fan, I think this is a game that just deserves a look um, because maybe wear a diaper if you're not a horror when fan. Games like this going do to well, scare the shit out of you. <laughs> I know we've talked about this before, but when games like this do well, we see more games like this. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I don't want to say anything else about it because, who boy, I got to the end of that game and set the controller down and immediately sent you guys a message like, what a fucking game. Yeah. Yeah. Hazel didn't, Hazel couldn't sleep the night that we finished it. When you <laughs> she told had a job into it, she had an interview the next morning. <laughs> I remember oh, you telling me, I, I, I would always send Mike questions about, you know, how close am I to the end? Not because I wanted to pound through it, but because I'd get to a spot, I'm like, man, I'm getting tired. I got to go to bed. But like, I hate that feeling when you get, when you quit and then you wake up the next morning and you only have five or 10 minutes to play and you're like, I should have just stayed up. Um, but you sent me a message one night and you're like, yeah, Hazel almost tapped out at the point coming up. So um, we got there and, and Christy was equally as terrified. I'm like, yeah, I can see why yeah, I almost tapped out. It's, yeah, it's, it's tiring, like in a good way, because, you know, you're constantly on the edge of your seat. Yeah. My, my my first thought playing through, and especially the the opening section of the game is done during the day, um, and I have not finished it yet. So thank you for not spoiling anything. But the oh open right the- as well. Speaking of spoilers, this is a game you should go in. Like I know we've discussed stuff here, but I think we've left it vague enough that you can still enjoy it. But go in with kind of a li- as little knowledge as possible. Um, but the stuff yeah. we said won't ruin it. So sorry, Zach. Um, no, but definitely during the daytime sections. And you're right, the game is janky. I, I need to try it on PC for Game Pass to see if I can get some of the jank down because that's just a hardware thing. The forest itself is beautifully rendered. Yes. And it's and again, especially at nighttime, it's gorgeous. The only thing that I want from this game more than it is now is I want to be able to play this in VR. Mm. I really do. Oh, yeah. My God. I think if, the, if this had come to PlayStation, I'm sure it would have come on PSVR. Yeah. I don't know if I can and handle I'm, it in VR. No, I mean, but I think that... <laughs> That adds to the experience. It's like uh, What's-His-Face's Plank Simulator. I think it's one of those games that could really push the boundaries of people on fear. Yeah. Um, I think if they did it in PSVR, though, they'd have to use the aim controller. Yeah. They would have have to. to. Because you're aiming your torch or your flashlight all the time and your your camcorder. It would just make sense to have that. I can't... For me, that really breaks the immersion when you have to sit there with the DualShock, which is, you know... (laughs) It was great for Resident Evil because you needed all those buttons and everything. But if you have that actual aim control and you can move around, awesome. Or even if they brought it to the We were talking the other day, if they brought back the navigation controller from the PS3, like that would work? Yeah, Dan should write a letter. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Zach, on a lighter note, have you you seen that you can play Snake on the mobile? I'm sorry, I missed that. What was that? Have you seen that you can play Snake on the mobile phone on Play Witch? I, I did. I played the shit out of Snake <laughs> and the other one. And I was, I was cracking up my wife because we got into a debate when we were sitting there playing about, all right, when is this game supposed to take place? How realistic is it that I'm getting text messages? How realistic is it that I can, you I know. I think and it's the, based the, in it 96. Yeah. Yeah. It was it's fairly two years authentic. after the footage of the original Blair Witch people are found. So I think Which it's like 94, I believe. Because yeah. I, oh, okay. I, oh. I think I got my first uh, candy bar Nokia phone in like '98, so it's it's circa yeah. of the. There right is an era. achievement, and I could not get it because I couldn't figure out how to do it. It's it's an achievement called "Drive the Pizza Man Crazy," and if you just continually call the guy at the pizza delivery place, he'll get more and more pissed off at you. <laughs> I just couldn't. I, uh, I couldn't get brilliant. it. This is one of the f- the first games that's forced me to turn off uh, my achievements because in Microsoft, it's a really sort of oh, it's a pain in the ass to have those pop up at the bottom of the screen. It breaks immersion and it destroys your frame rate. And um, it covers up subtitles. So, yeah, yeah that's, so, that's a massive that. bear of mine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I turned mine off. So, um, but yeah, play it. Finish Great it. Game. Dear God, yeah. please finish it. Play Mike- it. I, I remember Mike sending me a message uh, after Final Fantasy came out. He's like, Eric, please, 
please do not abandon Blair Witch. And I had no intentions <laughs> of it. Uh, yeah. It, it's real good. But speaking of Final Fantasy. Segway! Oh, man. Last Tuesday. Last Tuesday. Oh. What a day. <laughs> what a day. Oh, happy days. Okay, so what did everybody get oh, it for? Oh, happy day. I got Final Fantasy VIII Remastered on the Switch. Switch to Switch. Yep. I didn't Tom? buy it. I didn't Not buy yet. it. Heathen, no. kick right. him off. Sina. Get out of here. You ain't welcome. <laughs> no. We don't like your kind around here. No, I have my reasons. Uh, you don't want to play the best game the ever? of other games. It's <laughs> never stopped me. I, uh, yeah. I'm trying to be good with that. I'm trying Sinner. to be pretty uh, disciplined on it. Nah. I'm, I'm holding out for a physical release. It's not going to happen. I, it, it, <laughs> Keep it holding out, son. <laughs> I know, I know. Unless but the, you know what? Limited run games has surprised me before. Yeah, that's true. Limited run, What son. did you get it for, Zach? Limited I son. haven't yet. Oh. I, I actually <laughs> played... The version of it that's released is very similar to the PC release, which I actually own on Steam. So, yeah, it uh, it's Final Fantasy VIII with prettier character models. Thank God. It's... Uh, it's a treat. It's a joy. Um, the 3X speed makes it a ton of fun to to sit and abuse the, the, the draw system. Oh, fuck yeah, does it? <laughs> I can imagine. I, before I even got I, to Efreet's Cave, I had every available spell at 100. Yep. <laughs> I did the same. And it took me the, about uh, six I've, minutes. Surely that's just been... scan and fire. Uh, no, there's a few no, others. Thunder, Blizzard, oh, Blizzard fire, yeah. scan. Uh, I think you can get sleep from somewhere oh, as well. I think you can get sleep in the cave. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I've, I've just finished disc one and you know just before you fight uh, Edia you have um, there's a fight where you just have Squall and you fight, fight uh, Cypher. I took him down in two hits. Literally two attacks. It's like, so... didn't use any magic or anything. Wow. That's how fucking junctioned I am. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it makes it so easy to level grind too. Because you just you, yeah, but you level, s- level grinding doesn't help, does it? In Final Fantasy VIII, yeah, yeah, it I doesn't. That's true. But yeah, to just junction the hell. Well, when you're when you're grinding to get uh, different skills up for your guardian forces. Oh you know, so yeah, you can, the, all the AP that you need to yeah get all the. So yeah. you just set cursor to memory, and you go into a battle and just hold X on three X, and you're like boom, 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 done. And then you run around next battle, boom, 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 done. You can just pound wow. through stuff, and it's so much fun. Do you know what though? The the three X is spoiling me because. I'm, ta- I'm taking it off for boss battles, obviously. Yeah. But then when you come out, you come out and you start doing the dialogue. And obviously, you know, when the, the character models are kind of wandering, wandering around the room and, and everything like that, you it feels so slow now. And it's just the speed it's always been. It's yeah. the speed it's always been. And that's what you've always been used to. But because I'm just kind of on free time speed all the time, and I'm going through that dialogue. I'm reading it. The one I'm thing that I have it, not done it. is I've not turned off the random battles. Um, when I played Bravely Default on the 3DS, I made sure that I was not going to let that game break JRPGs for me because it gave you the option to turn off random battles because I'd get to the end of a really long dungeon right before the boss battle and I'd be completely out of items or almost dead. I'm like, oh, I'll just turn off battles and walk all the way back. And it kind of breaks that tactic of like, hey, don't suck. Be good. Plan ahead. Grind up. Get yourself stocked up so you don't have yeah. to use because not every RPG is going to give you that option to turn off battles and go back to town. And mm-hmm. I found it ruining the aspect of some RPGs for me. So um, yeah. that's one thing I've I'm not planning abused. to use it for you know I can't remember the name of the place but you know where you get Odin from and you have to get to him and yeah. beat him before the time limit ends I'm planning on using the 
uh, no battles bit for them because every time I ever play Final Fantasy VIII, I always have um, Diabolus's uh, no encounter ability mm. on anyway. So it's just like having yeah, that. that I've, not to, I've not had to waste time mo- uh, learning it. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that I will say that that has been a, a little bit of a bother um, is during the battles, the frame rate chugs a little bit. Um, or actually, the, the battles aren't as fluid for me because on the PlayStation 1, the battles were capped at 16 frames a second. Yep. And the menu operated on a different frame rate. So the menu and the actual graphics of the gameplay were separated. And the menus ran at a locked 30. So if you remember playing the old games, like you could click through the menus really quick. And it was very fluid while whatever was happening on the screen was, was doing whatever mm-hmm. it did. Well, in the remaster, they've locked those together. So your menu now functions at a capped 16 frames a second. And boy, can you feel it. And yeah. at first, I thought it was a little bit of coming out of 3x mode because occasionally like when i cast a spell or when i draw or when i do a guardian force i'll click into 3x just to pound through it uh, and then flip back out of it and for the first second or two after you come out of 3x like there's a very noticeable chug just where the game recalibrates itself and then it's back to normal and it's it's nice and smooth but um, you can definitely feel that there's there's something different about the menu it doesn't break it it doesn't make it unplayable but if you've played a lot of this on the PlayStation One, you will notice that there is a a, a slight delay—not even delay. It's just a—it's just a difference. And the biggest thing you notice it. it on is on um, Squall's limit break um, with the Renzikuken because when mm. you press R one for the trigger, well, just R on the Switch, um, the timing of it is slightly off compared to what you're used to. So you just have to retrain your brain a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I can do it perfectly now, but like the first few times I did Renzikuken. I could not get the timing down at all. Well, I've um, noticed too when you press R for the attack, like Squall's Gunblade attack, it's you have to actually be a little bit ahead of the curve. No, but I've been fine with that. Yeah. It's, it was the Renza Kukin that fucked me over because that's the one that actually has the menu for you to try and target it within. Question, um, but about- I think I've trained myself to kind of use the sound of the attacks now rather than necessarily the the actual meter itself. Question for you about Zell's limit breaks: Have you, you always been able to do his as auto? Well, switch it to auto if you want to. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. That's always been an option. I didn't know oh, you I did. could do that because I when yeah. that when that tutorial popped up for that, like if you want, you can just set it to auto. Like I have never seen that. Yeah, no, no me man, neither. You've always been able to. Huh. I've always, you've always been able to switch it. Over. Yeah, makes me feel like a badass. <laughs> like I'm playing. Some that Tekken. is a head fuck, by the way. Oh, with the buttons all moved around. Oh my god. Well, yeah, because obviously, yeah, with your with the with Nintendo, obviously, if you if you if you relate it back to PlayStation controls, because that's just a bit easier to kind of talk about, like on the Switch, it would be instead of being where it's... X would be is now circle and circle would be X, for example, the other way around on the Switch. So Zell's limit breaks, like, um, you know, there's one that's like circle X normally, or, and then there's one that's like uh, down, down, down circle, which is burning rave. But because of the way it is now on the Nintendo, because those buttons are swapped over, like the one that's normally circle X is now X circle and it just it throws you off completely. <laughs> that's the one thing that having all of the game systems I've 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 noticed has really started to to mess with me a little bit too cuz as I play an Xbox game concurrently with a Switch game it's oh. it's the same buttons just in different locations. Yeah, it throws yeah. me as well. It, it's yeah, it, it it's a little <laughs> bit of a mind fuck there. 
But I um, saw the Kotaku thing. They put a poll up this week saying, is this really the X button or is it the cross button? And I just wanted to reply, only communists call it the cross button. <laughs> just it's X. <laughs> if it were a cross, <laughs> it would look like a T with a long bottom. <laughs> but I, I don't understand why they didn't put a remapping controls thing in. Also, I, interesting that they kept Squall's Trigger as basically R1 because that would have on the on the switch especially it would have felt just so much more comfortable on ZR yeah but it would have thrown mm-hmm. me like, as an, I'm as so an actual used trigger being R1 yeah, yeah. I suppose but that was that was my gripe with the PC version and I was, I was curious if you've had any any experience with that was my gripe is on the PC version it maps but it didn't map analog support um yeah. it mapped it mapped uh, the D-pad. directional buttons as up down left right which means that there is no analog up right up left you know, oh. down right, down left. So you can't run diagonally. Oh my God. Um, and in the PC version, I ran into it like where, I mean, and, and you don't notice it most of the time, but like, especially when you're trying to line up to talk to somebody, yeah, it's just kind of janky to like you know, up, down, up, down, up, down. Um, <laughs> I don't think that, I don't think they mapped analog support in this. I think they just mapped it with the D pads. No, yeah. I'm, using, looks, I'm using a stick. Yeah. But what he's switch. saying is that it's not, it, it's not like you can't arc yourself in a perfect circle. All it's done is it's remapped mm. the D the d-pad to the I'm stick really yeah. sure actually i can't say i've noticed a difference you you really wouldn't unless you were looking for mm-hmm. it but that was something that i noticed and again the pc version's a year or two old and i remember playing through that on my uh i use a xbox pad for that and yeah. i just remember it being kind of janky just specifically trying to walk up to certain npcs but other than that i mean the character models look so much better they do um, yeah the blur filter done on the background does a pretty good job without them having re-rendered yeah, the all depth the of art. field. Um, you yeah. know, you can really notice it when you go into uh, that first town outside Balam and you're coming down towards the screen. And as soon as you get halfway, the depth of field flips and everything in the background goes blurry and your character snap into focus. It's, it's super cool. It, yeah. it is a little jarring though, because the character models are so crisp and they're so clean and they did nothing to the backgrounds. Like they didn't, they didn't touch those up at all. So it is a little bit jarring in, in seeing that, but yeah. um, it's totally worth it to see the, the, the crisp new character models. Yeah. Well, and the menu upscale, that was the thing that caught me on the PC because when you go back and look at the PlayStation version, like even for 640 by 480, that menu system looked rather rough. And now that it's, you know, it was redone. So it actually scales up to, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think it's like 1024 by 768, which means you get a perfect scale between all of them. Mm-hmm. And the letters being smooth was just glorious to look at. I know that's ridiculous, but in a game where you look at the menu system all the time. Oh, yeah. It's great. What's and really. The, oh, go ahead, Tom. Although this is going to say the PC version has really uh, the music is different in the PC version. Like it's Dang. actually a lot crisper and nicer. But Did they bring that over to the remaster. Uh no, it's just, the I've only played in handheld off the actual Switch speakers. The so one thing that they fixed it, it from the great PC to me, port, though, is that whenever you would come out of a battle, whatever area you were in, that music track would start over. They did not carry that over. So it's it it uh-huh. it's how it was mm-hmm. originally, where you'd come out Got of it. a battle and it would continue in that song where you had left off. Oh, that, happened with, that happened with Seven, didn't they? When that got ported to Switch, yeah. they had to patch wow. it. Apparently it, it did that. Yeah. That's actually really hard to do. That's like an old Red Book audio trick. Yeah. So that's great to hear that they hmm. kept it. One thing that I thought was really, uh, it, it's neat to see when they polish a game like this and they don't completely rebuild it, you can really see how this whole game was put together, especially on the world map, because everything is much crisper. It's cleaner. You know, the, the resolution is a lot clearer. 
you can physically see the individual squares of the world and how it's stitched together and the angles of it. And then, you know, you walk over to a town and you can see that all it is is like seven polygons made into a square with some really shit textures over it. And that's that's the city. But it's so neat to actually see that because, you know, they, they hide all of that within poor resolution of the old PS1. You don't see those lines because it's not it, it, it's not clear enough yeah. to do that. But to be able to see how this game was put together was really neat. And um, it's Final Fantasy VIII. There's really nothing bad to say about what they did. It, it, even what we've brought up, I don't I don't see it as a complaint. It's just an observation. It doesn't make it unplayable. Yeah. Um, if anything, no, it's. No, no. What they've added has made it, at least for someone who, like me who's played it a lot before, it makes it far more enjoyable because um, you can pound through certain things. There are parts of uh, of any RPG that are just dull. It's just the nature mm-hmm. of RPGs. And now to just be able to flip into 3X, it's like Final Fantasy twelve when you have the 4X speed because you have a ton of ground to cover and just boom, cover it. See, I... I mean, I'm not the RPG guy on this show, as, as I've said many, many times. I'm not the RPG guy, and, and the ones that I do enjoy, I any point where I have to sit grinding, I, I just don't enjoy grinding at all. I know some people really enjoy it, but I just don't. And I don't either. having that three times speed to try and grind things out like really helps as well. And for someone like me who knows Final Fantasy VIII kind of front to back uh, and side to side and you know, wanting to re-experience, re-experience that game but not have to sit through all the slow parts or, you know, dump 40, 50 hours into it again. It's nice to have that three times speed to, to go through it again and enjoy it again and experience it again without putting in that massive time investment. I think it'd be really interesting to play through it with random battles off the entire time and just see how see what that does, A, to how long it takes and then B, to affect the enjoyment of it. I think for some of those later bosses, you'd, you'd still have to play the card game a lot because a lot of the tactics for later on comes from refining cards, doesn't it? Yeah, I suppose you're right. Uh, yeah. Um, well, but I mean, that's a, that's a trend that you're seeing in games even. Um, I know Kojima released a statement this week about Death Stranding that he said there is a super easy mode that is really just there for movie fans. It's really just there for people that want to affect the story. So I don't think it's a bad sense. thing to go back and add options for folks. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, in, I'm into it. It's... The only reason I, I like got that it, we got a trailer at Gamescom and still know nothing. That game still looks as mad thing. as a bag of Well, fannies. didn't Kojima just come out and say he's like, yeah, at this point, I don't really even know what it's about anymore. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, great. Good job, Kojima. But but we heard about a lot about Norman Reedus's dick. So, you know, you can that's control the, the dilation thing. of his urethra. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and if many players piss in the same spot, a mushroom might grow. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to be at the end of the show. We're going to give away two copies of the Final Fantasy VIII remaster um if you like final fantasy 8 this is nothing but fan service and that's great if anything just to to see square actually giving it some love um yeah it's fantastic and i think i'd like to know why they why it's taken them so long you know there's a lot of speculation out there in the past like oh they lost all the source code or oh there was uh issues with the licensing right for eyes on me and all of that but i don't think any of that was true i just think they genuinely didn't want to give it any love because it's kind of the redheaded oh. stepchild. Oh god! Well, Speaking of eyes on me, um, using the three times speed. You know that scene where you've got Laguna, <laughs> Kairos, and Ward, and you're in the bar, and Laguna goes up to walk to Ju- talk to Julia, and his leg cramps, and he goes and sits back down, and then eventually Julia comes and sits with them, and <laughs> because I'd done three times speed and sped through all of the the dialogue. <laughs> they just sat there for ages with nothing happening because it had to wait for the song to finish because she's playing the song on the piano. So uh, I just sat there and I thought my game had crashed. 
<laughs> I noticed it too because they don't speed up the audio, which is great. That'd be really annoying. Uh, I noticed yeah. it too when you're first getting ready to go out on your seed mission, and and um, Zell comes out on his T board, and it's making this you know engine noise. And I did three X speed, and he just <laughs> got next to me, and then I turned it off so I could read the dialogue. And the Z board sound effect is still going in the background. <laughs> like oh, <laughs> broken. Excellent. Uh, but uh, I, I think, like you said, fan service. I think for people who do enjoy Final Fantasy VIII, uh, they're going to get a lot of enjoyment out of it. It's going to be great for them to 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 revisit it. I mean, I I've been playing it specifically at work because I play a lot of Switch at work. Um, it's it's and, become my bedtime game. That's why I got it on Switch. Yeah, you know, I don't. Yeah, and yeah, I, I think for people who've never touched it before, it's going to be nice for them to kind of go and revisit it. And if they want to use that three times speed to get through, they can do. If they want to just experience the story and turn the battles off and things like that, you can do. I mean, the boss battles will be helped by the other feature they've added, where you can just boost your AP bar and and all that and all that. So well, I tell you what, um, leveled up anyway. It, it, it's interesting timing too, because I was actually at uh, the Distant Worlds concert last night, uh, the Music of Final Fantasy Symphony, and um, didn't end up in hospital this time. I didn't. I actually got to enjoy it this time. <laughs> I was I was nervous about it during dinner because I ordered a drink and went, "Well, this is when it happened last time." I took the first sip of my drink and I'm like, "Well, let's wait for the room to fall away." Chris, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's happening again. <laughs> Yeah, she was giving me shit about it through dinner. She's like, are you sure we're going to make it to the symphony tonight? Damn it. Shut up. Um, They only played they only played one Final Fantasy eight song. But the the director is the one who flies around the world. And, you know, he meets personally with Nobu and um, he directs all the symphonies and and he turned around and he's like, so what do you guys think about that Final Fantasy eight remaster finally coming? And just the crowd lost it. And the only song they played was the only one I really wanted them to play. um, The man with the machine gun. Which that is a hell of a song. Is that the one that's during Laguna's battles? Yeah. So they have this massive projector up above the um, above the symphony playing videos from the games. Dancing. I, I have to say, when I first played Final Fantasy VIII and you all pass Dancing out on the Gilbert. train, and then you're playing those three guys, and then there's a whole new battle music, I was like, what the what fuck the? is going on? <laughs> they just sit there. 30 hours later, you're still like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. Who is this Laguna guy? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> man, I tell you what. <laughs> Tom, I really wish you would have been able to come because initially Tom was supposed to, supposed to come down. Uh, yeah. We ended up taking a couple of our other Doesn't friends. Doesn't give a with fuck us. about us, Zach. Um, <laughs> but I know I was looking at your photos and I was thinking, oh, cat, we were supposed to be there. If you if you ever have the opportunity to go to a distant worlds concert, <sighs> it's annoyingly f- it yeah. ended up in it going to London after I've moved away from the bloody place. Jesus, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. When it comes to the UK, they literally just do one in London and that's it. Yeah, he plays a mass though, isn't it? It's not cheap, and it's one hundred percent worth it. But um, as Zach mentioned before, it it brings in all sorts of people. Um, you know, we yeah, we got we got, we got all gussied up. We're like, we're going out with them. They're fancy folk tonight. You know, Christy put on a nice dress, and I was in a suit. And you get there, and you got your sweaty video game nerds two seats away, and. Um, it, it was really neat because I saw a lot of parents there bringing their children like six, seven years old. Uh, it's like, man, I can't wait to do stuff like this with my kids and, and introduce them to music like that. Yeah. My exact quote was props to Eric for those of you that 
aren't Patreon subscribers and won't get to hear the unsealed. <laughs> Props to you for actually wearing a tie to the symphony because that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yes. When you go to the do symphony. Do not show up to the symphony in a sweatshirt. And there was plenty of that. I think. Uh, Especially in Arizona. What the fuck dude, is wrong with you? <laughs> so I, I meant to message you last night, but I think Umbuk Fufu was sitting two rows ahead of me. One of the <laughs> largest gentlemen I have ever seen. And this dude, he had a shaved head. And I swear to God, it was a constant waterfall of sweat coming off the back of his head. He had a rag that he was just doing this the entire time. And I picture him just down by his knees, just wringing it out. It's just. <laughs> oh, my God. Just, and, he, you know, he had like those, those like when when large dudes shave their head, they get like the the sausage rolls on the back of their head. Oh. He had that and like water was just spilling off the back of it. Oh, uh, no. Now, could you see over this gentleman's Great. head? Well, yeah, because the, the Phoenix Symphony Hall is at like a 90 degree angle. You know, you step off and you still, are falling off 90. a sheer edge. But even still, he was two rows ahead of you? Yeah. Okay, it wasn't Umbuk Fufu. You would not have been able to see <laughs> above his head. Like his eye socket was stuck in the actual air vent in the plane. He was <laughs> Dude was 10 feet tall if he was an inch. Jesus Christ. But um, they uh, they did the entire second half after the intermission was dedicated to Final Fantasy VII, and they showed new footage. Oh, excellent. Which did I, they play North Coral? They did not, but uh-huh. they played Cosmo Canyon, which <sighs> I know oh, okay. my specifically, Yeah, Nobu specifically said, you need to put this in rotation. Um God, it was That's cool. Like, oh, it was so cool. So they started off doing the the bombing run, and they showed the original footage from from the PS1 game, and halfway through, they flipped into the new footage, and it was shit that we haven't seen before, and crowd just fucking lost it. And at the end, the director turns around, he's like, oh, so you guys noticed all the new footage, huh? <laughs> like, yeah, of course. It, <laughs> also, also, crowds that go to the symphony, do not lose it. <laughs> You're supposed to like golf clap. Yeah. Well, I think this this deserved it though. Um, it was it was really cool to see so much of the fan service for it. And I tell you what, hearing One Winged Angel live with a symphony worth the price of entry alone. Uh, they had just a phenomenal mm. chorus, and um, it's just such an intense song to hear live. I tell you what, I, it was it was so yeah. Cool. So I look forward to catching it next time it's in Atlanta. The one thing, that, the one song yeah. I really wish they would have done was um, the aria of Maria and Draco from Six, but <laughs> that's 14 minutes long. <laughs> I've just started Final Fantasy 15, and obviously you can buy the soundtracks from the old games oh, to play yeah. in the car. Or should they they did a lot of songs from 15. They didn't do yeah, Stand By Me, uh, unfortunately, but. <laughs> Driving, driving around with like, yeah. <laughs> they have North Coral in there. Oh, isn't unfortunately. But I do like driving around to the the opening of the bombing run where you're just driving around some mountains. And it's yeah. Oh, they did. Um, they did one Final Fantasy IX song, uh, "Festival of the Hunt." That one was. Oh, I like that. That's that. Oh, okay. How does, does that one go? I don't. I just wanted to hear Thomas Empton. <laughs> Don't confuse it with the one from Trino because it's not Trino. No, I know it's not. Yeah. That wasn't what I was They did doing. a lot of um, Final Fantasy fourteen, but probably the yeah. coolest thing. They had uh, Susan Calloway, who who has done a lot of the actual vocals for Final Fantasy fourteen. 
she was there and did three songs, but then they actually flew in from halfway around the world. I think it's pronounced Riki, who did the original recording of uh, Sutaki Dene from the theme song of Final Fantasy X. Damn. Nice. Did work on Tactics too, right? I th- think. Did they do Beset Island? No. They didn't. But <laughs> he did three encores. It was crazy because they'd be done wow. and he would walk off. He'd go into the door. It would close. Four seconds later, opening, he'd come back out and then they'd play another song. And he got back up. He's like, yep, this is another one that Nobu wanted to throw into rotation. Uh, another classic. And they did to Xanarkand. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That whole soundtrack was amazing. And they did a uh, battle theme medley of all of the battle themes just pushed together. Oh, that's cool. Um, Wow. And every show they do a they do a uh, chocobo medley. Gun man with a machine gun. Yeah. Well, no, they didn't put that one into the uh, into the (laughs) battle theme, but um, (laughs) they did. I think six is one of my favorite battle themes. Yeah, they threw part of that in there. Um, they are. Isn't six and nines is quite similar, isn't it? Um, nines is kind yeah. of forgettable. Yeah, nines yeah. is kind of forgettable. Six is awesome. The uh, the the chocobo version that they did with Cinco de Chocobo from Final Fantasy VII, which is apparently one of the most complex versions of it, and oh. you could actually hear throughout. Like if you're listening to the symphony really closely, you can hear where the complexities are and where some people are making mistakes because of how complex it is. You're like, these are professional artists oh. up here and they're still struggling, struggling and making stand up and storm out i didn't come here for mistakes god damn i want my <laughs> refund <laughs> so yeah that was uh that was our date last night and apparently i didn't realize this but yesterday was the actual release date anniversary of final fantasy 7 good lord so th- 22 years <laughs> yeah 22 and old folks getting old wow yeah so yeah the difference is you all were still in grade school i was in college Good God. <laughs> that's why it hurts so we have a we have a, we have a bunch of other stuff to clip through here before we even get to our game of the week but i want to make sure we talk about a few of these other things here um there was a nintendo direct that happened a few days ago it was and uh, i think we can skim over a good chunk of this but i do want to talk oh, yeah, about yeah, yeah. I, I just i just put a load of that in and if we wanted to talk about it, it i think the there. only thing that we really need to talk about is uh they finally have added super nintendo games to the nintendo switch online category what? Yeah, what? A, pre- a pretty good selection as well i thought not not bad way some, better some than the offering of the nes ones way better. yes there are still some oddball games yes yeah, yeah like donald <laughs> trump soccer brawl brothers <laughs> Yeah, Brawl Brothers. We were Christy and I that? were flipping through, and uh, she saw that Super Soccer, and she's like, "What is Donald Trump doing on the cover of Super <laughs> Soccer?" <laughs> she sent a message to me. She's like, "Make soccer great again." <laughs> like Christy, don't yeah, kid yourself. I, Soccer's never been great. <laughs> Bra- Brawl Brothers. Um, so, in case, and I didn't understand Poyo Poyo. Yeah, why like, would you put a Japanese game, game in there? Well, I mean, I get it. Oh, it's yeah. the basis for. Um, the Kirby's God, what was it called? There was a Kirby version of it. There was, there was a Mario version Robotnix of it. Robotnik's Mean Bean a, Machine. And yeah, Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine on Sega. But like the reason that those things were branded outside of Japan is anything other than Poyo Poyo is because nobody knows what the hell they are. I, I can't see like a huge market of people going like, I really wanted the original art and characters. Like, I didn't, okay. <laughs> 
So, quick, <laughs> still a great game. Quick rundown of the games here: Super Mario Kart, Kirby's Dream Course, which is freaking fantastic. Talk about a blast of a game to play with somebody. Uh, Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island, F Zero, Link to the Past, Mario World, Star Fox. This one's a treat. Stunt Race FX. If you have not played Stunt Race FX, what a cool game! And this is the first time it's been available on any other console. Uh, Super Metroid Kirby's Dreamland 3, which I'd never played, and I didn't realize that it was kind of done in that same graphical style as Yoshi's Island. Um, yeah, it's kind of a generic Kirby game. Um, we've got Pilot Wings. I'm Donald- just not massive on Kirby, to be honest. Yeah, it, Kirby's Adventure on NES played. is a lot of fun, and then the ones on the Game Boy are great. I do like Kirby's Dream Course, though. Uh, the golf game. Yeah. Pilot Wings, uh, Donald Trump Soccer, something with tennis, Brawl Brothers, Demon's Crest. This is oh, a game worth everybody's yeah. attention. That was so hard. It I was so difficult. Show. Yeah. It, um, I, yeah. The I remember the game starts with a boss. A huge dragon. Yeah, and I just I couldn't get past that for ages. So I can't remember the name of the series that it comes from, but you play as Firebrand from um oh, Ghost yeah. and Goblins. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a and Ghouls and Ghosts, which also do not give a fuck about their difficulty. <laughs> no, but thank God that the rewind feature is in this. And I popped into Super Ghouls and Ghosts. I'm like, you know, maybe I can get through this. Still died 10 seconds in and went, how can anybody enjoy this game? Fuck this game. Um, have any of you actually played the original Breath of Fire? I started it just to see what uh, it was like, and it looks really cool. Yeah. I want to say I played it in like 96 or 97. I played the it's sequel, Breath of the Wild. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no. And, it, and the third game, Birth of Smokey the Bear. <laughs> the first four games are really good. Uh, I played the, the one on Game lost. Boy Advance, uh, Breath of Fire 2 or 3. No, 3. That's 3. Is it? Yeah. I'm trying to see, but I can't. Yeah. Yeah. I have it. It's the one where you have the frog character. Yep. Yeah. Really cool game. Um, Very good game. We've got Joe and Mac 2, Lost in the Tropics. Super. X. Excellent game. Super EDF, which I think is Super Erectile Dysfunction Force. Um, <laughs> super Poyo Poyo 2, Breath of Fire, and then Super Ghouls and Ghosts. So, cool. a lot of super in there, and the, yeah. they, uh, definitely went with a naming convention. <laughs> Welcome to the Super Nintendo. It's like, it's like 64, <laughs> you know? All the games on there had a 64 at the end of it. Um, but, but I haven't other, played numbers 3 through to 63. Unfortunately, <laughs> they have announced now that they will not, they will no longer be adding games to these services monthly. I'm okay with it. I, I didn't it's put fine. a post on it on... Um, on a on on our Facebook community, but I was kind of like jokingly saying sad trombone noise, but I'm okay with it as long as like we still get the game. I was good kind ones. of I, I was kind of apprehensive about what the game selection was going to be based on the NES selection that they'd given because let's face it, there, mm. there really isn't that a lot sucks. of good stuff on the NES selection. Like maybe five, yeah. maybe that are actually yeah. worth playing. I would venture a guess here to say that short of the soccer and tennis. All of these are worth a go. I mean, I'm amazed we got so many at once anyway. Yeah. Actually, soccer and tennis are the two that I tried. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) I just don't understand like what they're thinking because sports games in general. They're the ones that improve. They're the ones that improve. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't imagine anybody is sitting there going, dear God, I can't wait to play Super Nintendo Soccer. <laughs> I can't wait. That game is so... Like, at least put Mega Man Soccer in there and make it a fun yeah. soccer game. For fuck's sake. <laughs> well, and not just that, but I mean, like, 
you missed Super Tech Mobile, which is arguably yeah. one of the biggest yeah. classic football games of all time. And tennis? How did you miss that? And tennis? tennis? Really? Who wants yeah. to play tennis? Super tennis. Super. If any, like, uh, what's that tennis game that we played? Oh, Outlaw Tennis. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. That's that's my that's my tennis jam. Is that just cowboy tennis? <laughs> yeah, yeah people like, in bikinis and very yeah, for the record, comments. It would be weird if they put an Xbox game on Nintendo Switch Online, but you know. <laughs> <I agree. laughs> um I don't know. What are some games that you guys hope they kick out here pretty soon or upcoming? Mm, Mario RPG, because I've still never played that. It'd be nice yeah, to have it on my Switch. Yeah, that would be great. I would have liked um, uh, Act Razor on there. Yep. Actraiser 2, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see uh, if they're going to do another RPG. I know everybody's going to be like, oh, let's do Earthbound or Final Fantasy 3, but I'd like to see them kick out one of the Lufia games. How about, can we have a rule that nothing on the Switch needs to be anything that's on the Nintendo or Super Nintendo Classic? Because I feel like they've already got a market yeah. for that. Yeah, and well, it'd be nice I'm, to see a different generation in games. I was glad to see that there were some games on on this release that aren't on there. To be fair, but I, yeah. I mean, I've said Super Mario RPG that is on the SNES Classic, but I was super disappointed to not see Mega Man X because I think that's kind of a definitive I like Super that, Nintendo game, game. But then yeah. you know, they have the X Collection and all of that, so I can see why they didn't. Yeah, I think you're seeing a trend where Capcom is getting ready to release big anthologies of games and thus doesn't want them on here. It, and again, I'm going to bring up Castlevania again because those didn't really appear. Well, this um, is a bit yeah. of a tangent, but um, there's the there's the news that they're releasing um, that Lion King and Aladdin. Yeah, yeah talk uh, about a collection. And yeah. the one game that's very obviously missing from there is the SNES version of Aladdin. And apparently that's something to do with Capcom. Wouldn't that surprise me? Yeah, so like they've got the Genesis, uh, Game Boy, Super Game Boy, and I think it was a Game Gear version, and then some random like Final uh, Cut version of Aladdin, and then Lion King. They've got like Genesis, they've got SNES, they've got Game Boy, and something else I can't remember what. But yeah, the SNES version of Aladdin is missing, which is interesting because that's also the one that's different to the other one. Whereas on the Lion King side, the SNES and the um, Genesis version are the same. I'm really surprised that uh, Disney isn't cashing in and re-releasing the Super Star Wars games. Mm, I think they will. Yeah, I mean, we've got a couple months till big releases, but... I think this is the start of Disney doing stuff because they recently took down the DuckTales remaster as well. um, In fact, fact, Eric, your campaign against digital games um, comes to the forefront here because they took down DuckTales Remastered in, I think it was back in August. And they said, basically, if you if you buy it, obviously you can download it again. But if you've never bought it before, you won't be able to buy it. Um, because you're paying for licenses, people. You're yep. not paying for a product. That's right. A lot of people that have PS Plus had a problem because DuckTales Remastered was released on PS Plus. And oh. if, you have it, if you've claimed it on PS Plus, means you can't go and buy that game on your account, which means that people who wanted to buy it to keep it for when their PS Plus runs out could yeah. not buy it. Yep. yep. Yeah, that sucks. That's why um, I have a shelf of games over here because I don't <laughs> yeah. want. Yeah. But um, no, but, I think Disney are going to get Disney are going to get big on these old games because uh, I listened to there's a internet uh, say journalist kind of news report kind of thing Andrea Renee I know her husband uh, a guy called John Drake he used to work for Harmonix and has worked for Sony for a little while he has just started uh, a 
big gig with Disney that's to do with their games licensing division. Um, hmm. Like literally a few months ago, and then suddenly this whole Lion King thing, Lion King Aladdin thing, has come out yeah. after that. So I think this is the start of Disney possibly releasing a load of these old 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 things. I mean, I think Disney has the most um, the most reason to get some of these games out there, and I don't think any publisher is going to fight them. Especially, I think about the Super Star Wars games um, in line with you know they're getting ready to release their streaming service. Um, and then in December, they have another big movie coming out. I think they I think you'll see a lot more of that. Um, but I was surprised to see it not in this initial batch unless they're going to sell it separately, which is fine. I mean, those games were amazing. So I know I, know, uh, I understand why it's not there, but something I would have loved to have seen on the uh, list of SNES games would have been Street Fighter 2 Turbo. It yeah, because then you can play iconic. online with people. I connect that's why very closely there. with that console. Yeah. But that's why it's not there. <laughs> I know. It's because, well, and because Capcom released a uh, collection a for collection, Switch. A collection, the anniversary, they, which... They're not giving nothing away, they're selling. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a SNES Classic, <laughs> that, though, isn't it? I know you obviously can't play online, but it's it not a SNES Classic. Yeah. It, it is. is, yeah. But it's also part of the uh, Switch anniversary collection. I'm yeah. surprised I they didn't throw totally the uh, Star Fox 2 on there as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that's still a selling point for... It's classic. classic though, isn't it? If they're going to start well, releasing these games on the Switch for quote-unquote free, yeah. um, well, they're, they're going to want to get that selling point. I'm dubious on that, though, because they've really, for all intents and purposes, stopped selling the classic editions. Um, I haven't seen them I in mean, a long yes. time. I, I, see I, them in, I see them every once in a while, but yeah. I'm struggling to find one because someone uh, from back home wants a, uh, wants a North American version, and uh, I Why? can't find him one. I think why, I know where to grab one. Why, I'll, why would I'll they want a North American it. version? I know, right? That's yeah, because he's a, he's a collector. Because it's more so gorgeous. Just, I'll let him off. Looks better. <laughs> he's one of them that are like keeps things that are sailed and. and I so know on. someone like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. um, where, but yeah, to your point that where is Zombie Ate My Neighbors? Where there are some big Super Nintendo Where's games. Where's Goof Troop? Yeah, Goof Troop. Where's fucking Super Off? Oh yeah, in the trash where it belongs. <laughs> so one Next thing I want to touch on with this though too um, I, I posted something about this in the group that uh, if you're playing this in docked mode on a TV um, you might experience some pretty obvious input lag I noticed it immediately with Super Mario World and it, it was actually to the point where I could not functionally play it because Mario requires some very specific jumps, very precise timing, and the the input delay was just enough to make it impossible. See, uh, we're a bit back and forth on this because I gave this a go because I, I played it handheld first whilst I was at work, and then when you said about it, I first thing I did when I got home, dock it, pro controller. I don't and I, I think don't that, know it's an I issue. think at that point it boils down to what the upscaler in your TV is. Yeah, that's my. Uh my guess is that, especially if you're using uh, 4K HDR TV, mm-hmm. that they have really, um, well, again, and it can be down to the model too. They mm-hmm. use really aggressive upscalers, especially for 1080p and below content. And it's mm-hmm. possible that the model of TV that you have is just adding. Well, a do you put yours into game mode? Mine, I do. I, um, see, I don't. 
mine's not on game mode because for some reason the game mode on mine there's certain settings that i want to alter they won't let me alter Hmm. which is probably intentional but all of my gaming channels all of the extra fluff that you can have the tv do like dynamic contrast and dynamic led lighting and stuff like that i have all that extra stuff that will take more processing time Hmm. um turned off so i have all the bells and whistles turned off other Hmm. than obviously on things that are hdr i have the hdr on and, and stuff like that but um short answer no so I have two TVs. They both have a game mode. My TV in my game room has a game mode, game mode for HDR. Um, and I notice when I use that, that does absolutely add perceptible lag. And I'm using, um, as a test, I have a TV right next to it that's just a t- 1080p TV. No bells, no whistles. I don't even think it's a smart TV. Um, and it does not have any perceptible lag to it. So again, it could just be down to Yeah, and I took it out and, and played in handheld mode and it was fine. So yeah. I think it definitely does boil down to docked mode with an upscaler. So yeah, um, and what input you're using and all that. But that's yeah. kind of on Nintendo to solve because they need to come back and realize and recognize that people use all sorts of different displays, and the Switch was always going to have to deal with um, upscaling because it is the only modern console that is focused on maybe 1080p. Hmm. Uh, most of its games are 720p and that's not a bad thing i'm not down on it but i mean that is something they're gonna have to come to grips with eventually i mean the interesting thing is as well nintendo consoles are always the one that have they very usually have many different control input methods yeah you know so you have your joy con jevy pro controllers you know back on the wii it was the the actual wii mode there was the nunchuck then there was all these bits you could add on like the the snes controller the snes pro controller you could you could add the classic controller you could add onto the bottom and things like that and you know they they are the ones that generally steer away from having just your standard control scheme yeah yeah and 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 eric's absolutely right those classic games definitely have a bigger impact from um display input lag because those games all ran at a pristine 60 hertz and ran at a pristine yeah. 60 frames a second no matter what. So when you deviate by a half a millisecond, it can totally throw your timing off. And Nintendo already did that. Um, they did it with their, uh, it was a Super Mario collection that had all the sort of new all-stars. art versions. In it. Yeah, All-Stars. Um, and that game definitely had perceptible lag as a result of the extra graphical features. See, yeah. I I grew up with the All Stars version, yeah. so it never bothered me. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> like you cannot play the Lost Levels on no, on, on that one. Yeah, it's just broken. Interestingly, though, uh, the Lost Levels version on the Nintendo Online is the original Famicom version, much better. Hmm. I'm still hard as balls. Well, but, yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying it's 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 easy. It's just the All Stars yeah. version. That input lag is unbearable. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Well, and especially with the original Mario games, because they had a definite, uh, very unique sort of physics to the game, um, which, you know, when you jumped and landed, you slid. Um, when you were running, you had a certain amount of inertia to you. So if you start dicking with that, it totally changes the way those games play. Yep. And especially the way I play Mario, hold down, run and just jump. Never stop. Get to the end as fast as possible. Yep. <laughs> Jump over that flag there, buddy. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and in Europe, we were used to uh, 50 hertz for most of that era. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Poor, 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 PS1 poor as well. I remember I'd, I'd, I'd uh, on later games, sometimes they would give you the option when you boot it up. Do you want 50 or 60? Every time I chose 60, the whole TV would go black and white. Yeah, it just yeah. wouldn't work. And no, I was so confused. Like... I didn't really understand what, what it meant anyway at the time. Shit, I was kidding with Eric about, Better move I was than 
I was why doesn't it just say color or black and white? <laughs> why give me two numbers? <laughs> Eric and I were playing the uh, PS1 Classic, and it's got an emulator built into it. Um, yeah. on mine which sort of worked while we were there but he was like why do you have two different versions of Tekken 3 and I'm like well this here's the PAL version and then this here's the version that works <laughs> <laughs> this here's the reason I, that we broke away Yeah, I remember going from because which one was the first one that we got that would have been 60 hertz over here would have been PS2 PS2 yeah yeah, yeah. which been Tekken 4 yeah, it was or, no it would have been Tekken Tag wouldn't it because Tekken Tag was it was first. Tekken Tag yeah, yeah. And it was I remember the, the jump up from Tekken 3 to Tekken Tag I know, was, and I played a lot was mental. of Tekken 3. <laughs> like that a disgusting game, amount. Tekken Tag is a phenomenal game in terms of graphical leap. It's great. It was like Soul Calibur. Remember when Soul Calibur came to the Dreamcast and everybody was like, oh my yep. god, it looks so much better than the arcade? Fucking Tekken Tag was that times five. Yeah. Um, and I still play perfect. it every once in a while because it looks so that, good. It plays so well. To this day, Tekken 3 still looks great in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it looks bad at all. It was weird when we were at Eric's and we played uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. I think I think that was probably the first time I played an American PS1 native game. And I was like, something doesn't seem right. It seems weirdly <laughs> a little it, bit more fluid. It's working. It's, like, <laughs> it's enjoyable. <laughs> it's infused with freedom. <laughs> I'm free, free to enjoy this. The right frame rate. I know. Nah, that's a bunch of shit. There was no game ever where the PlayStation One hit sixty hertz. Look, <laughs> 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 it hit twelve. It was frames all lies. A it was lies. The entire yeah, blast thing. processing. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> so I have one other game I was hoping to mention before we got into this week's game. Can I talk about it real quick? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, man. sure. Um, so I don't have a copy of it here. I played it. Uh, Is it Castlevania? No, it is not. And it's not Bloodborne either. Wow. So, yeah, I know. Not my normal uh, no, <laughs> it is Astral Chain for the Wii or for the oh, Switch. Oh, I'm glad someone we know has played this, actually, because I'm intrigued. Astral Chain is off the chain good. To coin Get, it, um, Get it, Dan. Get it, Dan. Put it on the back right. of the box. We're, we're <laughs> oh, wait, that went in for just for you. So I'm not going to tell you a whole lot about it or spoil a whole lot of it other than if you like pseudo Pokemon games um, and like games with deep, complex combat systems this one's for you um it is an odd mix of the two you collect sort of um you're just a dude you collect these sort of robot warriors they all control in different ways you have the ability to chain combos between them and link between them the art style is good the story is really good it's got a really unique graphical style that is beyond what i thought was capable on the switch and you need to play it it was super Hmm. good it's a uh, platinum game, so I didn't realize that. It sure is. Damn it, damn. The company that makes Bayonetta. Yeah. And it, it plays like it. It is really super good. Um, and I don't want to tell you too much again because it's it's going to have one of those effects on you more if you get into it and kind of go in at zero and go, wow, this accomplishes a lot. Hmm. But it's very deep. It's very complex. Um, and again, for a Switch game, it looks amazing. Yeah, I've heard similar things about um, Fire Emblem Three Houses, that that is supposed to be phenomenal. And if you love uh, deep combat systems, but also permadeath and stuff like that, then you can love it. But I'm trying to understand if it's Astral Chain feels similar where I like I don't know if I like it or not, but I'm intrigued. Yeah, Same same with Fire Emblem. I'm like, everyone's talking about it. People love that game. Yeah, it sounds um, like it's, it's a good jumping on point as well, Tom. 
this new Fire yeah. Emblem. I've, I've not played the Fire Emblem game, but the Me way either. people are talking, it sounds like you could. I mean, it must be popular mm. if they put that many characters of it in Smash. Yeah. <laughs> Which, oh, every day they add new stuff to Smash. Would they're getting Banjo-Tooie characters now? <laughs> <laughs> the second one. Astro Chain does look really cool. Yeah. And uh, I... I why well, like uh, I hope that they maybe they can stick a demo on the uh, on the eShop sometime. Yeah. Maybe. Well, it's a Switch game, so its chances of getting cheaper are pretty ridiculously low. Yes, of course. Um, but so, you know, hey, it is what it is. It is what it is. But it gets my recommendation. It was really interesting and really fun. Two thumbs up from Foley. Speaking of recommendations, how about Mark Cree? No. No, Skid Mark of Cree. <laughs> Skid Mark of Cree, <laughs> or as Tom's uh, t- Tom's local store, the Mark of Cry. Yeah, she was. Uh, yeah, I bought this game in uh, one of one of my local retro stores, and uh, she's like, yeah, they do the thing where you, when you buy the game, they show you the disc and make sure you're happy with it. They say, oh yeah, this one's not mint; it's got a couple of scratches, but it'll be fine. And she was like, don't worry. You'll be enjoying Mark of Cry in no time. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. How did you get this job? Maybe it is Cry. Eric, can you confirm? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think they actually say the Mark of Cree in the game. <laughs> I doubt she's the only sh- one in the world who understands how to pronounce it properly. So, yes. Which it's really a shame there's that much dialogue to it. Mark of Cree PlayStation 2 came out uh, July 29th, 2002. So pretty early in the PlayStation 2 life cycle. Um, Action adventure game done by SCEA San Diego. So it is an in-house studio game. Um, What's really kind of intriguing about this game is that it was uh, the art team comprised almost entirely of former 2D animators, many of whom used to work for Disney. And you can definitely uh, see the uh, inspiration for that, mainly in the the art style of um, the the concept art that they throw in between for loading scenes, but then just in the, the general atmosphere and feel of the game, it does. And, and this is this is kind of my memory of the game from back in the day. It was like, yeah, it's a Disney game, but hyper-violent. Because um, it it does look and play like a like a animated Disney game. It does. And in fact, I think I enjoyed the cutscenes more than I enjoyed the actual game. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's not a bad game. It's, it's not. It's no. generic. So it is uh, action adventure, combat based. Um, I think it, it it's combat shtick is I'll argue that it's unique. Um, it is unique. There's you no have doubt about it. I've never played anything like it. Yeah, it, it it's not it's not great but it's also not terrible so combat a lot of of, uh huge dialogue prompts on how to do that stuff yeah there is a ton of shit (laughs) (laughs) okay so can i ask a question how did everybody play this did you play it on original hardware did you play it on playstation 4 uh original hardware okay so everybody feels my pain when it comes to holy shit, this game doesn't move fast. And then every 10 seconds, there's a dialogue box. Yeah, It takes like a second and a half to load, yes. right? Okay, good. So combat yeah. runs off of uh, targeting. So you are, it's third person running around. You got your sword, you got your bow. Um, but you use the right joystick to uh, send out this, this 
red laser beam around you <laughs> to target people. Your the flaming flame. dick of Cree. <laughs> <laughs> That's the is, that, that's the name yeah. of his Johnson is Cree, and then he's marking them. Uh, yeah, because his name's like Moa. Yeah, Raul. So he's fucking. It's, he's fucking Polynesian. So there's more vowels than consonants in his name. So everything is just like or Moa. I heard this game was a little bit controversial for in its, New Zealand. Uh, it was because of it's the Maori. Yeah, uh, my culture is not your violent video game. <laughs> Yeah, basically. Yeah. That's a the continent where the first group of people was eaten by the second group of people. Let's bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> Careful, Mr. Folly. Um, but yeah, you send out. Oh, your, no, I'm going to offend the New Zealanders. I'm sorry. <laughs> you send out your uh, dick laser and it targets up to three people. So it gives you the first person you lock onto becomes X. Second person, I think, becomes square. Third person becomes circle. And yep. then in combat, you obviously attack according to that X hits that guy square hits that guy circle hits the other guy. But if you yeah. only have one guy targeted, then you get brought into the option to utilize the very uh, not intuitive combo system. So yeah. <laughs> you, you sort of like like you say, if you if you if you've targeted someone with with X, that frees up your circle and square buttons to create some new combos. So you have to start with the first button that is a representative of the enemy. And then you can start hammering square and circle to try and come up with different moves. Is, is that yeah, pretty that's, much Yeah, right. so you can do... You yes. can do so if you've got multiple enemies, does that mean you can't combo? Or yes. Bear right. in mind, I've Correct. not played, so... Yes. So it, it sort of <laughs> becomes this, this, this fine this balance. This is going to sound insane because it is, Mike. <laughs> okay. I mean, I've, ju- I've just been looking at some footage of it now to give me some context while you guys were, were talking. Um, so, and it just... Yeah. It, it just looks like a beat-em-up to me. It doesn't look as complex as that. <laughs> the combat is actually... It's supposed to be. The, the combat is actually very difficult because the system is kind of broken you know you hit the yeah. nail right on the head where it's like all right hey here's all these enemies now that i've locked on to everybody i can't utilize a vast majority of the combat system and it just becomes a button masher so when i was doing it i would make sure to really only lock on to one person at a time so well, that two, i could maybe two at the most yeah um, but it is kind of a delicate balance of attacking and blocking um, if you're not good at, at at countering or blocking then you you are going to die uh quite a lot and dying is a very painful experience in this game because it does not auto save the game branches out from a central hub village and each there's only six missions you go out into the mission and if you die you start the mission over but throughout the course of that mission you'll find save scrolls which you can utilize to save your space or save your state in that that location Um, didn't realize that until i got two-thirds of the way through mission two and died like oh okay well I'll come back to the next door nope all the way back to the beginning can we can we bring up that breaking the fourth wall with having a scroll of saving should be the best part of this game like <laughs> wow I just wandering around like oh I found scroll of saving never mind I'm stupid and can't fucking read <laughs> 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 well yeah um, the combat the, the combat is a nice mix though of uh <laughs> of beat em up but it's also a little bit of stealth too um yeah you, you have a i i personally like this mechanic of the of the raven kuzo so you've kind of got your raven familiar and um around each of the uh, the levels there are these blue spires of light that you can send your raven to and he'll perch and then you can 
um, see through his eyes. And it gives you the ability to scope through ahead of the world and kind of pinpoint where enemies are and kind of plan your attacks. Um, or you can send him to like these red lights that will manipulate the the environment in some fashion, like drop a ladder, or flip a switch or something like that. But, um, you know, he, he your familiar does allow you to see further on into the level and plan things out. Eric's being generous. Can I can I add something here? <laughs> you mentioned the stealth mechanic, which there yes. is, which is derivative like everything else in the early 2000s. Like, oh, Metal Gear did it. We should add a stealth mechanic. But when you stealthily attack an enemy, you do it by picking up him up and most of the time beating the shit out of him against the rock. <laughs> so he's as loud as possible but while you're killing him. <laughs> let's let's be honest here. Like this game is brutal for its time. It, it was brutal. Oh, it's brutal. Oh, it's brutal. Oh god. Uh, but not the really, brutal with Jack Black, to be clear. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Jesus, let's not even talk about that game. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's hyper violent, which. It, for a Disney film game, it's it's really yeah. violent. Yeah, you know, yeah, you, you no you've idea. got your basic attacks, but then you know you can you, you got your finishing moves where you're cutting people's heads off or stabbing swords through people's face. Um, but the stealth kills are a freaking blast because you've got the uh, my favorite's the old meatball scoop where you reach you sneak up behind somebody. Um, and this is where I always messed up on this because I forgot. Yeah, you have to put your sword away then you have to sneak up on them and then you have to send out your dick laser to target them and then wait for the, the, the X symbol to become solid because if it's not solid, you'll miss your attack. But um, the meatball scoop, you'll run up behind, you'll stick your arm between their legs and then just full on palm cup the Johnson and lift them <laughs> up, flip them over and stab your sword in their face. It's the coolest finishing move. Um, no, short of the one where you sneak up by them on the wall and then you pick them up one hand on the collar of their back and the other hand on their ass and you just smash their head into the wall like a battering ram. Yep, that's the, that's my favorite st- stealth kill and I'm using my quotey fingers there because you know that makes a shitload of noise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or when you stab his face through, you stab your sword through his face into the rock, uh, you know that's going to make some noise. Also, the enemies in this game are a lot like Helen Keller. So you can do all of this with two enemies standing next to each other and one won't notice the other ones being like (laughs) both rectally and orally assaulted (laughs) by Gua. (laughs) You'll just stand there and look around like, what? Something's happening. What? Maybe I shouldn't turn around. Maybe I should look three degrees to the left. (laughs) I found it annoying that every time you approached a ledge that was slightly higher that you need to jump up, they play the animation of him putting his sword away then jump up, then the sword comes back out. And when you keep having to go up and down ledges, that gets a bit tiring. Listen, safety no. first, Tom. I don't I think it. I want to want to jump off a cliff with my sword out. Also, I, I, and I, had, <laughs> I absolutely admire their wanting to put in a mechanic like the bird, because I think the bird would work in most instances where you had a choice not to just beat the living shit out of everything. But I never got the whole sense of it does me any good to send my bird out to scout out like, hey, look, there's three guys up ahead. How does that change my tactic? Not I know. That's why I'm just going to go yeah. beat the shit. Well, no. So in, <laughs> in the third and fourth level, I think it was actually very necessary, though, because you send them out and it gives you the ability to scope out where the enemies are, um, because end of the second level, you get a bow. And let's face it, the bow yep. mechanic is clunky as hell. Um, yep. You you uh, have to go into first person mode and then you lock onto him and then the, the the X symbol starts to blink and then you can move it up 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 until it's solid and once it's solid then you're guaranteed a headshot kill. Some enemies you obviously can't kill because they've got a bunch of armor. So you, those ones you have to physically um, 
you have to go physically engage. So I think what that allowed you to do is is see where all of the enemies are that you could pick off with your bow and arrow so that you wouldn't be overwhelmed with archers and then just little peons while you're taking on the armored enemies. Okay, that's fair. But it was definitely case specific. Yeah. Because I remember, like, they introduced that mechanic to you in the first level. Like, what's going to happen? I'm going to go around the corner and there's going to be two guys I have to murder. Or I can send my birder and and spend five minutes angling him to the right position and then go into the camera mode where I use bird vision, which is just wavy for some reason, and see the two guys, which I'm going to have to murder. So I just like it. Maybe they just introduced it too soon. Yeah, you definitely cannot approach this game, though, as a as a God of War style, just run in and uh, hack and slash everybody because it. No, if the, no. if you are fighting more than two enemies at a time, there is a strong chance you're going to die. Yeah. But I did notice I found a way to kind of cheese the combat system with um, if you get the enemies attacking you that have the armor, you have to continually break through their three or four or five different layers of armor before then you can actually start chipping away at their health. But if you only lock onto one of them and then you just alternate between circle and X, circle and X, circle and X, he'll eventually do a sweep maneuver that just sweeps them off their feet and then you can stab them in the chest. And that's how you it worked almost 100 percent of the time for me doing that. Yeah. But yeah, you cannot approach it as a straight beat em up. Like I'm, if you get into the sections in the the Hidako Woods or whatever the hell they're called, um, the last oh yeah, the last two rows where it's just trees and then like fifteen enemies, you can't just charge in and start attacking. Nah. You do have to be a little tactical. But you could. There's another way I found you could cheese. Enemies had a very finite line where they could approach. So if you just found out how far forward they could come. You could just run back and then just pick them off with your bow and arrow. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> so what I would do is I'd go up, yeah. I'd knock all their armor off, and then I'd come back to where they couldn't attack me and then just pick them off with the bow. Well, because their Pathfinder, like... There's just a very <laughs> clear like... wall, like, oh, can't come any further. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Because the worlds yeah. are quite big, and obviously they can't just have the enemies that you find later on traverse to the other side of the world right so yeah yeah, that makes sense that there's boundaries yeah (laughs) there is a little bit of branching paths and you know there's collectible items within each level and um the diamond that increased your overall health capacity like your health capacity reset on each mission didn't it yep yep which i thought was ridiculous um you know you'd go in and you'd only have two bars of health so you'd have to find a diamond to give yourself a third and then another one to give yourself a fourth and if you didn't find those the the final combat in each of the levels was extremely difficult if not impossible yeah i looked at one of the guides and it was saying to only ever use save scroll when you're when you were at maximum health yeah yeah which made sense and and also to not just save them because you would lose them at the end of a level yeah but 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 use them in sensible places if you know it is the the stealth aspect of it is is a little neat too because there is very minor world manipulation that you can do so if there's a a section where two enemies are facing where you'd be coming um you could throw kuzo up onto a ledge and then look down at a flock of birds and he could fly down and scatter that flock of birds that would then cause the enemy to turn around and then allow you to sneak up on them or there'd be a wild boar you could shoot or a baboon that you could shoot who would go cause a distraction which would give you an opportunity to go do an easy kill so yeah yeah. i mean ultimately it had some neat mechanics i felt like every mechanic in this game was derivative of another game so i wanted there to be some sort of like hooked to this game that made me say like oh okay well this is what makes this mark of creed but i never really found one 
Um, no, and I think that absolutely. I think the yeah. art style is really what does it, though, because let's face it, like when you during the loading screens, they would have these really cool concept art drawings that right about right when the game was about to load, you could tell, OK, this is going to be the starting location and it would flip almost perfectly from that hand drawn into the game animation. So you could see here's what they used to generate this scene and it would go from 2d art style into the 3d and then you'd be sitting there like oh now i can move for the time that was incredible yeah well and i mean the the nice introduction of just having a blank canvas and have that sort of um you know overdraw effect where you could actually see them sketching it out was really neat Mm -hmm. if if i have any gripe there it's you should have slowed down the sketch so while we waited for the 3d world to load for a minute and a half every time (laughs) like those would sort of marry up yeah (laughs) but yeah i mean it it it's funny because you say Disney, it always it reminded me a lot more of like a Don Bluth movie, um, like the original Dragon's Lair and Space Ace and all those. Like it definitely had that art style to it. The- Looking at the art style and the character model, it looks to me like they should have just made a crunk from Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely inspired by The Rock. I would have played I'm gonna that. Say that. <laughs> the, the music in the game, though, also used what's called adaptive music. Um, and they actually developed a bunch of techniques specifically for it where the audio was very tightly synchronized with what was happening on the screen. So if you were to be to be spotted, it wouldn't just flip into another musical score. It would very quickly turn from that and then sync into something else. So everything was very tightly synchronized. Um, The music, the soundtrack wasn't really anything to write home about. No, but it did. It was atmospheric. I don't, yeah. I don't know if I'd quantify it as music is more just sort of like a low sound tone that existed in the background. And they did do a great job tying each of the sort of levels to a sound design. I thought that was nice. The one thing about the combat that we didn't mention is that you do have to be conscientious of where you're fighting, because, you know, if you're fighting near a wall, you're not going to be able to attack the enemy. Your sword will bounce off of that. Or if you're oh. fighting near any trees or barrels, your sword will get stuck in those. As annoying as it was, it was really cool for the time because yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. A lot of yeah. times back then combat was like, oh, yeah, my sword's just going to swing through this wall and hit this person. No, it's not. Yeah. yeah. I got to play through the tutorial twice, which was a real treat. Oh, fun. Oh, God, the tutorial sucked. I had to and, I exited yeah. that as quick as I could after a while. <laughs> Like, oh, please, no. Which, and after every level it asks you, do you want to go back to the tutorial? I want to train? No. no want to train with me? Nope. I do not. I will figure it out through dying. That's more fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or through opening the menu that made it look like a Doc McStuffins video on how to identify shapes. Here are all the combos. That's just a bunch of shit. <laughs> square, square, triangle, triangle, square, square, circle, circle. Fuck this. I'm done. What is this, Batman? <laughs> The uh, the story. Who boy, this story. Uh, is there one? I don't know if there is. The, Seriously, it, it, in this way, like, kill shit army of the dead. In this, in this world, in this yeah. In in this world, there are six families who have been cursed with a a mark um, that gets passed down from generation to generation. If the person with the mark dies, the next person born in the family then has the mark uh, of Cree and what that mark does <laughs> fuck if i know but halfway halfway through the game <laughs> halfway through the game you you are given a quest by this dude known as the dark one which should have given the hint right there like okay yeah. don't don't do this for him he uh he he 
tasks you with going to find a scroll in the woods and you bring it back to him and it turns out to actually be the skin containing the mark of one of these families and he you know you come to find out later that he is a uh, a, a leader of the Kasai um, which they are this this evil tribe that wants to take over the world um, and you're given this cursed money and it's the the dead baby scroll yeah the, that's they, essentially they sort of a they allude to it earlier in the game you keep finding these little sort of story check-in points where they're like well you know if you were to kill a baby and the baby were to pass into the world like it would generate this scroll and i'm like oh shit are we gonna start killing babies <laughs> this game just took a dark turn <laughs> then you have to yeah th- then you told you one of the missions one of the missions is you have to go find a tree and eat fruit off of it yeah and after you do that you know the the oracle tells you to do this um you know the the uh the mark of the kree and the his destiny he has to to protect this captured boy who was captured by the kasai um it's super generic is is essentially yeah. what it boils down to um it's very well, short whole, as well yeah the whole thing is about staving off what the the return of the army of the undead so this is just an evil dead plot point stole off so i mean it's fine yeah but you it's get passable. to you get towards the end where you have to save that boy from being sacrificed and you don't he's already been sacrificed yeah i <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we are killing babies here when did you first play this game, Eric? I played it when it first came out, and I I think that I really only played the first two missions of it because anything after that I don't remember. I remember going maybe up to the third. I remember the woods. Um, I got, got to it. the keep mission, and Dan said he hated that. I loved the keep mission. I thought that one was really well designed. I liked the stealth. I liked the way things were laid out. Um, it was a really nice blend of of tactics and combat. Um, but yeah. it, I ended up calling it quits on that because if you mess up they are unrelenting about it so there was one spot where you had to pick off a guy so later later on you get enemies that have a horn and if they even remotely smell you they'll blow their horn and a bunch of people come rushing out you're like well i'm dead and i hadn't saved and i was trying to pick this guy off from a distance and he was facing the other way and as soon as i fired from the time my arrow loosed until the time it hit him he turned around and blew his horn and a bunch of people came out obviously my arrow killed him but he'd already notified everybody so it's frustrating there's a lot of really frustrating aspects to it um i think objectively it's it's a neat concept it's kind of a fun little romp through action combat but yeah it's really nothing special I believe that is the yeah. point at which I stopped playing with the Mark of Kree. <laughs> now, like, nope, I'm, I'm done. Apparently, <laughs> the Rise of Kasai, the sequel, is is much more polished. God damn it, Eric. You got to start with the first one, which is why we didn't do Spider-Man 2. Yeah, this is true. To use my words right back at me. Yeah. Yep. yeah. What's yeah. it called? The Rise of... Rise of Kasai, which is the you know reference to the Dark One. He is a member of the Kasai. And it's a sequel and prequel, right? Because I know that one you get to play as a lot of the characters that appear in the first one, but you don't really play as them. Oh, you can like lock on to lots of enemies on this one. 
<laughs> Yay. They they'd have a, a six axis so you could just like mm-hmm. Oh god, no. <laughs> oh that's also on PS4. Yeah, they did it as a combo. Yep. Ah, I believe. Fair enough. Yeah. My biggest frustration with this game was definitely the load time. I think that's what scared me off of finishing it. Because every time you die, it's like a solid two minutes to get back into the yeah. game. Yeah. Just get good. Don't die. Uh-huh. Now, <laughs> when it came out, the game was the game was really well received. You know, it, it averaged eights and nines across the board. But it's that's definitely a prime example of something that has not aged well. Yeah, you know, I think you got, you got times. To, yeah, you got to look at these things objectively in their time, though. Like this was one of the, it was a, it was the first game of its type in that that vein where it's you know hyper violent in this graphic style, like Manhunt. Yeah, in this cutesy Disney movie kind of way. Yeah, and that's <laughs> I think that's why I picked it because that that was my that was my memory of it. It's like yeah, it's Disney, but really gory. Go yeah. back to something. I don't remember who said it, but it was on the last show where they were talking about a game where you just go into Bambi, but it's a first-person shooter. <laughs> that was tough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Y'all got Bambi that three. Bambi simulator? Bambi 3, <laughs> fuck thumper. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, it's just a DLC pack for Big Buck Hunter. That was exactly. it, yeah. Yeah. Y'all got yeah. that Bambi DLC? No, I mean, I didn't think it was, I didn't think this was a bad game at all. Um, <laughs> I think that I, I was playing a lot over the last couple of weeks, so definitely my interest waned, especially when, again, just every time I died because I did something minorly wrong. It's generic. You know, it was, it was painful. And yeah, it was generic. There was no one part of the game that stuck out that made me really want to come back and play it. The sound design was meh, the story was meh. The combat was unique. I will give you that. Yeah, I think the combat um, was was probably the strongest aspect of the game. Yeah, you know because it and does was, it, it does require some it does require some skill. It does. You know, and I don't. The menu system was god awful, but yeah. the game itself was just it was just kind of generic, and that's okay. I mean, I can see why it scored high, especially in the early days of the PlayStation Two. Yeah, they were when there wasn't for a games. ton of variety. Yeah, yeah. When you I had mean, Eternal about, Ring and Evergrace. Yeah, I mean, the biggest game on PlayStation when it came out was SSX um, and Tekken Tag. And then your other choices were like Time Feathers, I guess. Fanta Vision. Smugglers Run. (laughs) Smugglers Run, yeah. Animusha. Yeah, I mean, and Animusha was months and months afterwards. This came out much before it, so. Yeah, Animusha was, uh, uh, no, was Time Splitters a launch title as well? uh, I think it was a launch window. Launch window, right? And I think this probably was too. But oh, I mean, uh, Wild I, Wild Racing, I remember. Um, X Squad. I have a really sharp memory for the PS2 launch for some reason, just because I don't know if it was the same in North America, but they were they were really hard to get hold of. Yeah, yeah. very hard. Yeah. I don't know how my grandma bought one, but she found one. Yeah, yeah. yeah Time Splitters was well before this. Time Splitters was October of two thousand. So time yeah. was time yeah. a launch title. I thought it was personally, but it might have been. I thought or it, it might have been in the PAL region. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, and everything about the PlayStation Two was um, pretty well broadcast ahead of time. So I think not only were people waiting on games to show up, but they were waiting on games to show up in that launch window. It was a time. Yeah, Time Splitters was a launch title. Yeah. 
Yes. I remember the only game that I bought with my PlayStation 2 was Tekken Tag. Good choice. Oh, and the no, Bouncer. Yeah. The Bouncer, was that a launch title, I think? No. Squaresoft game? No. Kassin. No. It, it disappointed me way later. The oh, Bouncer did. Oni. <laughs> Do you remember Oni? Yeah. Oh, Oni, yeah. I think that might have been Zach, very I close, did not realize that Gun Griffin Blaze was a launch title, that working designs game. <clears throat> was it really? That was a PS2 wow. launch title game. It must have been a limited release game then. Yeah. I mean, because that, that really did exist in that period of time, too, where, you know, you'd only get 750,000 games run, whereas Tekken probably ran 2 million and was available everywhere. Side note, speaking of working designs games, I've I've chipped off another uh, uh, another working designs game. Um, nice. Yeah, with... Uh, why am I drawing a blank on it? I just posted a picture of it yesterday. I, I can look it up. Yeah, I, uh, I'm drawing an absolute. <laughs> I mean, it just must have been really impactful. Um, uh, it's a, the tactics RPGs. Um, it was like Growler Slasher or something. Crow Lancer. There we go. Crow Lancer. Yeah, yeah Crow Lancer. Guy who uh, goes around and stabs birds. <laughs> Working designs games were absolutely fantastic. Oh, they're such a good localization team. I think that's a that, right that's there. a very unhealthy collecting goal for me is to get all the Working Designs games. Yeah, a lot of those are not cheap. I think I'll probably... <laughs> especially especially yeah. when you get into the Genesis era. <laughs> and the Saturn. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I actually chipped off another Atlas game on my list this week. I'm pretty happy Ooh. with Dungeon Explorer for the TripleGraphics. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, Dungeon Explorer. That's, that's also equally unhealthy from a collecting yeah. standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> I picked well, up a... Yeah. Uh, Don't need to retire. <laughs> Is there anything else we want to talk about with Mark Cree? I mean, I had higher expectations for this, honestly. Um, I think this is yeah. a, a good example this was of... your choice, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I think I, I had um, better memories of this. You know, this is a, a prime example of, you know, rose-colored glasses looking back at a game. Like, yeah, that game was a lot of fun. It was really cool. It'd be really neat to revisit that. Like, no, it's not. It's, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad I played it because it's a it's it's one of those games that you hear about all the time. And I didn't play it at the time when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad I played it. But I can definitely put it on my shelf and go, I'm not looking at that shit again. That one's going to go <laughs> right next to Spirit Tracks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think uh, I feel probably the same way about it. I would probably. It's a, it's a I'm glad, glad I didn't play this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lucky you. <laughs> it wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible at all. It just, it didn't age well at all. It felt weird to be uh, a quiet for me. Go. <laughs> you took, it took you forever to find that game. It did. Uh, for some reason, it was uh, hard to find in Canada. Tom, let me see that box again. How many fucking stickers are on that thing? I know, Jesus. right? Good Lord. Is that, a, that. is that like the page of a book tape to the front of it? Also, <laughs> like, look at that. Oh God! Case. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! That's good stuff. <laughs> Speaking of uh, that, that was that, like finding this game in the cover and everything. Um, if you're not part of our Facebook community, like every single week when we do our questions thread, um, Dan will usually terribly Photoshop Eric's head into like the game <laughs> cover. And if you've not been on our Facebook community or you're part of our Facebook community and once and haven't spotted it yet find our questions thread for this because dan has outdone himself this one is Eric's head. this one's something special oh boy like, he's outdone the kingdom hearts one which was my favorite where you were the moon or the riddick one yeah this is yeah. wow 
I was uh, looking at the cover for Eternal Darkness. It looks like you could easily fit in the moon there as well. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, I'm pretty proud of the uh, the Final Fantasy VIII giveaway picture that I did of my of myself. Oh, you did that. I did that one. Yeah, it wasn't me. Even though I posted it, it was Eric who did the, the work for it. Yeah. We, uh, so again, we, if you've not been on there, it's um, the you're the best looking guy here thing like meme from Final Fantasy VIII, <laughs> but Eric's pixelated his own face into the skull face. It's a it's a very unattractive picture of me doing my McDonald's chin, but you can't really see that because I had to edit it out. So it does look it's kind of that creepy sideways glance, all pixelated. So, um, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, it's speaking it's of the question thread, we did only have one, which I will find. I've got it. I got it. You got it. Maybe. Is there actually a question? No, I'm here. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. It's from Dalton Sutor. I remember playing the demo for this on a PlayStation Magazine demo disc. R.I.P. My question would be, did you guys ever sub to the magazine? And if so, do you have any demos that stand out in your mind that really sold the game for you? Wish me luck during this hurricane. Oh, I'm hoping you made it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Morgan Moore showed I'm a couple my- pictures and videos of it just destroying wherever he's at. I think he's yeah. in Nova, Nova Scotia. Scotia. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's remember- much impact in the States, so I think Dalton's probably okay, but yeah. I think Welcome to hurricane season. Yeah. <laughs> hey, somebody who um, just moved from Florida 10 years ago. Have fun with all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to the question, though, like I... I never subscribed to a magazine, but there were certain PlayStation magazines that I just buy every single month. And demo discs, in terms of like influencing me to buy certain games, um, I would well, it would have taken me years to do so. But I remember Metal, both Metal Gear Solid and Resident Evil Two were two games that I knew nothing about and played the demos of and fell in love with, and they made me want to play those games. I'm trying to find a list of the demo discs yeah. that were included and i can't yeah so the many metal, demos the uh, metal gear solid one was uh OPM. Metal gear solid 2. yeah it took you all the way yeah. up to the you could go up to all the way to the point where you met you would stop um, being snake that's a big huh? demo you no, would, that yeah. was in the zone of the enders wasn't it uh yeah it was well, no it's the original metal gear solid i'm on about yeah, oh, where you, where you, yeah, where you, you, you go oh. into the vents, you see Meryl, and you go to drop down to meet uh, the chief, and yeah, you okay. literally drop down into the chief's cell, Darpa chief. That's it, Darpa chief yeah. cell, and the demo ended there. Ah, uh, true, uh, true yeah, story. I never played the uh, the, Which the, is a the original huge demo. Metal Gear demo, um, but true that's story. a really decent amount I, of game. I beat the shit out of a senior citizen getting that demo. Because <laughs> <laughs> it came out, I, it was a big deal. Because I'd been reading about Metal Gear Solid. I was in college at the time. And um, I I did not subscribe to the magazine, but I knew it'd be on shelves. I walked into a, I think it was a Winn-Dixie. And I could see from where I walked in, there was one fucking copy of this magazine left. And there's this horrible, horrible old woman who would not get out of my way. And she was standing in front of like two magazines. Well, as I was standing there, like three more people that I went to school with walked up behind me and they were like, oh, there's a magazine in the demo desk. And I totally just fucking hip checked that old lady <laughs> to get her out of my way. <laughs> she Jesus went down Christ like a ton of bricks. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't even feel bad. That was a great demo. <laughs> like, I'm well, not Tom, losing that because of you. <laughs> that Metal Gear Solid 2 demo, I think you're right about. It doesn't take you all the way up to the end of the tanker. I think it takes it you does. up to... It's amazing. It? I, I it's, thought it took you up to the, you know, the door that you go through that takes you up to the bit where the army are, the where the navy are. I thought it took you up to there. Hey, so you fight Olga on the ship, and I think you, 
Uh, do you know what? You might be right. I don't think you get to the bit where you come down to the hole where the speech is happening and you take pictures of Metal Gear. Ray. Yeah, I think it stops uh, as you get yeah. to that door. I think it stops before that. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, I thought you might actually do all of uh, Snake, but but that's still a lengthy yeah. demo. It is. It yeah. is so good because you could. I replayed it a few times and went different ways and opened each locker and I just uh, like dialed Otacon on the codec a bunch of times, see if he'd say different things. And yeah, it was a really neat demo. And just from a technical standpoint, um, like when the, when the when the scene kind of opens and you got that kind of sideways rain. And uh, the bandana the, the is kind of flowing and he's splashing through puddles and stuff. I thought, yeah, this is this is next level. Yeah, I think it actually ended that. I know the zone of the Enders disc did. It ended right after the Olga fight because the last thing was yeah. the uh, the drone that came down and took a picture of you. Yeah. And then it flashed you through footage of it. So cool. But they got man. you to fight a boss, though, in the demo. Yeah, well, that was pretty neat. Yeah. Um, and it still had, remember it had all that footage of, um, that didn't actually show up in the game of like the hallway flooding and all that. Yep. Yes. Uh, which was wonderful misdirection at the time. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. That was exactly. the whole game, wasn't it? Misdirection. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> to this day, I'll still go back and play Metal Gear Solid too. Which oh, yeah. also, uh, just a quick plug for Game Pass, the uh, HD versions of the Metal Gear collection that. showed up on Game Pass. This oh, month. very cool. And those are the fixed versions that are actually good that are, you know, upscaled to 1080p and all that. Not the original disc versions, which were ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Because yeah, I, I put the disc version on PS3? Yeah, PS3. Yeah, if you play the disc versions of those, just make sure you sit through whatever hellacious patch you have because yeah. when they came out, they perform like absolutely. Oh, shit. it's been patched. Oh, okay, that'll be yeah. why I've not seen any problems then. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the Resident Evil 2 demo as well was was amazing. Yes. It, 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 you started yeah. the game and it had like, I think it was like either a 10 or 15 minute counter um, timer on it. And I just tried to get further and further and further and further every <laughs> single time. And I remember yeah. I definitely got up to the star's office, got the unicorn um, coin to put onto the fountain, got all the way back down to the fountain and then started going back the other way where the arms start blasting through the walls. And I... I, I don't remember getting much further than that. I don't know if I ever got to the end of what is actually there for you to play. Because if you, you got get, to the end of the time stuff, yeah. Get like a splash yeah. screen that says thank you for playing and yeah, if you yeah. want to buy it, go to the, yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, I'd never the- played a Resident Evil game. I, I didn't even know Resident Evil existed and I played that demo and I was like, wow, this is incredible. <laughs> I want to play this. I, yeah, I remember um, the original PlayStation came with a demo disc that had, yeah. I think it was Jumping Flash and Battle Arena to Shinden and a couple games on it. And that was pretty impactful for me because I, again, I really got a PlayStation original um, just on a lark. My mom bought it for me um, for Christmas and I was not expecting it. It was my first year of college and she was going through a rough divorce. So I knew money was tight and she bought this thing for me just out of the blue. So I was kind of, I was taken aback and I was, I was extremely grateful for it. But you know, I had the only game that I had even read about coming out for it was Tekken, which I played the shit out of at the arcade. So I was excited about that. But after playing some of those, I actually ended up picking up like Destruction Derby and Jumping (laughs) Flash and a couple of those. Yeah. What a console. Yep. So many good games on that. So many good demos. Like we used to get in the UK, the official UK PlayStation magazine, it always came with at least like seven or eight playable demos and a whole bunch of videos. And I've I've liked some Netyarosi games as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
and I actually believe it or not, this is again to date myself, but I remember that uh, it was a demo disc that I played for the first Tony Hawk before it ever came out too. It was a demo of the Warehouse. Level. Yep, I, I had oh, that I one as well. That. Yeah, 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 I remember yeah. that. <laughs> I played the shit out of that demo. And the Tony Hawk's two demo where you could only play as either Tony Hawk or Chad Musker. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it was yep. on the in the one of the skate parks levels, and the and it was the uh, same as. Um, uh, same as Resident Evil 2 in the sense of it being timed. You had the two minutes and that was it. And then the, the whole demo would reset. I think there was a Twisted Metal demo like that on one of those. I don't remember which magazine it was from, but I remember playing the Everlane. I freaking love Twisted Metal. So did I. Actually, I love Twisted Metal all the way through Twisted Metal Black. Black might be my favorite Twisted Metal game. Never tried that one. Oh, it's so fucking good. That was really just, popular in North America, Twisted Metal Black. Mm-hmm. Not so much. Great soundtrack. Great graphics. It was amazing. Yeah. Guys, we've got a game. That, we've got a game to give oh, away. Sorry, a couple games to Woo-woo. give away. Should we get on to that? Yeah, let's do it. What did, what did we ask for? All right. To, so to, we, in order to celebrate the release of Final Fantasy VIII Remastered, um, we wanted to hear from you all about your favorite <laughs> real-life personal Final Fantasy memories. Uh, it doesn't have to be based around Final Fantasy VIII. So we'll read a few of them out. We actually had quite a good response. Um, really, I'm going to choose two of you at random. It, it was really yeah. neat to just see how Final Fantasy has impacted people. And, and that was one of the things I noticed at the show last night, too, was um, it's incredible to see how impactful music is and, and to see how much that has impacted people throughout their entire lives. Like every, Final Fantasy holds a special place in a lot of people's hearts, but each game is uniquely different. And if you've grown up playing it, each game is a different part of your life. And obviously some of them are going to be more impactful than others. But, you know, I, I think for me, the first game that I ever actually physically remember playing was the first final fantasy sitting in my grandparents' house, watching my uncle play it and him just teaching me how to play an RPG. Uh, even before I played Mario one or anything like that, like my first gaming memory is the first final fantasy and then just going through i i I skipped two um i didn't play three slash six right away but um you know then i jumped back in with seven eight nine and so on and they've just been so impactful through a lot of my formative years and uh just to to hear how final fantasy has impacted a lot of the people in our community is just it's awesome yeah heck yeah we had so many good uh entries as well i read through them all uh over the last couple of days and uh i wish we had time to just, read all of them on the show but it would I take know. it would take a long time so i was so surprised that we got so so many good so many great ones and we very did personal stories we did choose at random before um the show started so you know the the people that we read out we just want to make sure that we let everybody know that it was a completely random drawing um but you know what are some ones you guys that stuck out to you that you want to want to share um i can't remember who is by let me find it i don't know which one i want to read out um but if you want to go ahead with any you've got <laughs> ah where did it go oh i like uh i think i think this is the right one joshua thomas uh said i'd saved all summer to get myself final fantasy 8 in the new ps1 with attached lcd screen finally i could play anywhere i wanted without being confined to my game boy pocket um, I was engrossed in the game, but I'd forgotten to buy a memory card. No worries. I'll go to the store after school tomorrow and get one. But that means I need to leave the game running all night so I don't lose my progress. 
I'm a genius. I'll put it on a book next to me in bed so nobody comes in and turns it off before I have a chance to save my game. I wake up the next morning. Why is my pillow so hot? I rolled over onto my PlayStation and smothered it with a pillow. The plastic casing has actually melted slightly from the heat and the disc cover is barely touching the top of the disc as it spins, making a faint grinding sound. But it's still running. Better get that memory card before it changes its mind. God, I would have Eric. That was the one I was looking for. <laughs> I would have been so it. pissed off had <laughs> yeah. I just spent all that money. I but, liked uh, Matt Hallmarks. He says, uh, my best memory was playing FF8 on my PS1 with the tiny LCD screen in my bed when I was supposed to be sleeping and using the back of my fingernail to power up my summons as fast as I could. And I just remember right. that because I had that exact, the PS1 with the tiny screen was the one console I took to college. And... Uh, I had it set up the same way, like on my kind of nightstand, just kind of folded up and I could lie down and look at this tiny PS1 screen. I used to play Final Fantasy on there every now and again. I still have mine with the car charger and all that fun stuff. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it's a neat little it system. It worked well. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sarah Irvin. Um, is it Irvin or Irvine? Chicken characters. <laughs> um, uh, I beat Final Fantasy VIII while living in a van when I was 17, thanks to a surreptitiously, surreptitiously, that word. Anyway, he placed the extension cord. I think that game meant more to me than any other Final Fantasy because it gave me some distance from a shitty situation that I had no control over. It's a favorite memory for me because it gave me the ability to take a negative and spin it into one hell of a positive. Life lessons, courtesy of Final Fantasy. Yeah, that, I Which think a real nice one. video yeah, games cool. do a lot for a lot of people. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's why I like RPGs so much as well, is, is it gives you an opportunity yeah. to step into a different world. Um, Final Fantasy VIII well, I mean, for me kind of came out at that same time where I was going through a really rough patch uh, in life as well. Um, obviously not 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 like that. Um, you know, for me it was more just depression, anxiety, and I I just needed an escape. And I remember um, my grandma picked me up from from school one day, and she's like, you know what? Let's just go. We they had a a, a house on the lake. Like, just come out, spend the weekend with me. You know, we'll we'll hang out. Um, Let's stop at Best Buy, see if there's anything, you know, just just let's get out of town for a while. And uh, I brought my place. I asked her if I could bring my PlayStation with and and um, I'd forgot not forgotten. But, you know, it was not on the forefront of my attention that Final Fantasy eight was coming out. And we stopped and I saw it there and she just she bought it for me. So my first memory of Final Fantasy eight was sitting um, near the front door of the house and uh, with the sliding glass door open and listening to the the birds on the lake and the waves and just experiencing Balam Garden and, and getting out into the, the opening world of Final Fantasy VIII. And it just, yeah. it, it drew me out of that shitty situation that I was going through at that, at that time um, and just kind of dropped you into another world. Yeah, Another one of my actually, favorites on here. Oh, sorry, is that going? Oh, no, I was just going to say, I actually like Robbie Austin's story that, you know, he had never really played it, but got into it after playing Final Fantasy or uh, 15 and i think that's great that people can find oh, it yeah. as an entry point no matter where they are in their sort of game career yeah um and i always call it a career because once you get really invested in games it's worse than a job oh yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> movies books those things are wonderful forms of media and my wife is an avid reader so you know she still has the experience there but for me games are a lot more engaging and I got I get a lot more involved with them. So it's it's more engaging for me to play a game than read a book or to watch a movie about something. Yeah. Um, but I love to see how people sort of get entry points into the various franchises that they end up falling in love with. For me, Final Fantasy seven was that. Um, and I remember skipping school 
And I was dating this girl at, at the time who really, really, really wanted to see Godzilla, the terrible Matthew Broderick thing. Um, Is that the one with so I made a compro- Yeah. So I made a compromise and I said, all right, well, we'll go to the mall. I'm going to pick up this game that I really want to play. Um, and we'll go see this movie. And about halfway through the movie, I was like, I just can't fucking take it. I'm leaving. I'm sorry. I just cannot <laughs> fucking stand this movie. And I really want to play this game. And we ended up breaking up over that. So, Lindsay, if you're out there, I remember. Uh, <laughs> it was worth it. I don't regret it. Yeah, let me tell you. Oh, man, not only did I have it was the first time that I bought a strategy guide with a game. Um, and I had oh, that great wow. big uh, white loose leaf manual that went with it. And I was just fucking all in. I was like with a pocket light, like reading the book as this terrible movie unfolded before me. So, oh, man. yeah, that's a so great Robbie, memory. Good, Robbie, great for you. I'm glad that you finally got into it. Hell yeah. <laughs> and one of my favorites is uh, Kayla Rose calling out Sean McIntosh, who, if you don't know, obviously they're together. And she put my favorite memory is actually of hearing Sean McIntosh tell me he named his birds after words like pimp and naked. Uh, so then Sean McIntosh comes on and says, let me give context. We found an old PS1 memory card with a ton of Final Fantasy Tactics files. I'm talking from back in high school. Anyway, I had three chocobos on my roster. For whatever reason, 17-year-old Sean decided on probably my dozenth flavor of the game to name them Pimp Bird, Penis Bird, and Naked Bird. <laughs> <laughs> if you have three full playthroughs of Final Fantasy Tactic on one memory card, you can name the fucking Jacobos whatever you want. Yeah, man. Good lord. I <laughs> that is dedication. I've played through the entirety of that game once and I still don't think I'm ready for a second playthrough. And that Which was one? tactics. And yeah. that was oh, in years high ago. school. Yeah. Yeah. God. I uh I think yeah, I got the a better end of the deal on that because my buddy had that and I had just bought Dark Cloud for PS2. Dark Cloud One was a great game, but Tactics at that time was really hard to find and still really expensive and he's like oh i'll trade you for it I'm like fuck yeah i'll trade you <laughs> uh, dalton absher jr uh, we got a lot of daltons in the group um maybe not the greatest memory but still a favorite that i laugh about now i was about 14 when i was first playing final fantasy 3 i was playing in my living room had a glass of kool-aid sitting on the floor while i paused the game went into the kitchen to make me some food probably some bagel bites i was gone maybe five minutes or so and when i came back i took a gulp of my kool-aid and it turns out i was covered in ants i oh. can never look at ants the same <laughs> oh, way and every time every time i play final fantasy 3 i think about that fun little moment <laughs> dude you suffered under that game that's impressive <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Jason McGill's is really long, but essentially he goes, he, he says, I got to say memories of Final Fantasy series are there, but not as nostalgic. Even worse is that my very first entry wasn't even a Final Fantasy game. Um, read Final Fantasy Mystic Quest or Final Fantasy USA. Uh, you know, your standard <laughs> entry level RPG as stated on yeah. the box. So I never tried that one. It's okay. Um, yeah, it's uh, not as so bad as everybody gives it shit for. Some yeah. idiot called Daniel Curtis says, am I allowed to win? My favorite bit is the North Coral music. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Phil Gartside, my favorite Final Fantasy memory is that dream I had when I was 17. It had Tifa and Aerith in it. I should probably stop there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Uh, oh, this one's real nice from Dancy Gilbert. Uh, one of my only real bonding experiences one of my brothers occurred when I was probably about 9 or 10 my older brother just bought Final Fantasy 8 and, when I was super, and I was super interested in playing it naturally he wouldn't let me so I ended up by, by the, being the walkthrough reader and we beat the game together that's nice that's kind of how my sister and I played through all the Resident Evil games it's, uh, it's neat when you can bond with your siblings over stuff like that 
Yeah, my my dad, for example, was not into video games at all. He was in the like the Atari generation, but then just totally got out of it. But my father and I could always play golf games. Yeah, together. Um, and in fact, um, the original Hot Shots was a game that we played like mad. Well, he died a couple years back, and now every time I play it, I feel like I'm playing with my dad. And that's just, you know, that's it's it's again, it's another of those engaging, very personal things. I read a story once about um, a guy who played games with his his father, um, racing games, and uh, he popped it in probably five, ten years later, and he noticed that it had saved a ghost of you know when you race you can see the ghost track and i remember hearing about this yeah he uh whenever he was feeling down or he wanted to think about his dad he'd pop that game in and he'd he'd race against that ghost but he always made sure that he never beat it so that he wouldn't erase that ghost yeah yeah that's that's sweet that story isn't it yeah yeah that's pretty cool so yeah we have probably close to 40 responses on here if you want to come through and read all of them they're all really really cool um it's really neat to see how final fantasy has impacted so many people um they're on our facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash factory sealed podcast uh we'll leave it up as an announcement for a while just in case people want to want to uh come peruse it but there's a lot of really cool stuff in there um so thank you if you did take the time to share thank you very much for for posting that um i did enjoy reading through all of them and I did like to see that there was a lot of love for Final Fantasy VIII in there. Even though we specifically said it doesn't have to be around eight, I, I, I think eight does hold a very special place for a lot of people, despite you know being the redheaded stepchild of the series. I think the people that like eight love it, generally. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. Actually, can I just stop and say, how did we not acknowledge the redheaded or the red bearded NPC or enemy boss and? the mark of Cree for being the only Scottish enemy in the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. That game. That game. Well, Tom, you were in charge of the, uh, Tom's random number generator to create some winners here. Who have we decided on or I need to blow the dust off. Okay. Okay. Uh, let me see. Uh, yeah. So I'm just going to pick two. Well, uh, no, the, the ones that we picked on. earlier based on yeah the ones that were picked out earlier you don't need to redo it remember oh yeah yeah okay i don't need it yeah so tom's losing his mind yeah i did make a <laughs> note i did make a note okay here we go so the he's first turning copy, into a pumpkin he's like man <laughs> first copy of uh final fantasy remastered uh we're gonna give to uh, it's gonna go to david merkel david merkel congrats Woo! congrats my friend uh and then the other copy is gonna go to sarah Irvin. So congratulations to both of you. You're going to get a copy of Final Fantasy VIII Remastered. I I think since he uh, came out of the drawer as a winner, we should probably read David Merkel's then, really. Yeah, yeah, his uh, because we didn't read his out. Um, My favorite memory is actually one based on Final Fantasy IX. I was one of those children that Final Fantasy VII was my first RPG experience that led into Final Fantasy VIII. I enjoyed both both immensely, despite Final Fantasy VIII not seeming to be as well regarded at the time. Then Final Fantasy IX was announced. What was this? Final Fantasy, to my ignorant, uninformed mind, isn't swords, staves, and oddly shaped characters. I don't want this game, I raged, but the series has been going on well before I lifted my Buster Sword in seven. I guess I'll give it a try. From the time the music played as the game booted up, I was enthralled. The characters were so much fun. I couldn't wait to see what Vivi learned about himself, to see Zidane grow, to see Steiner go and see there are some things more important than duty to one station. Final Fantasy IX has gone on to go from a game I loathed 
the initial designs I saw in PSM magazine, to the installment of the series I played the most and most cherish. The knights and mages of this game led me to go back to the beginning of the series and see what I had been missing. See, I'm, yeah. I've always been kind of the opposite of that too, yeah. is is for me when they started to flip into, you know, especially when it hit like Final Fantasy 13, when it become became this kind of uh, postmodern, you know, alternate. Sci-fi. Yeah, yeah sci-fi is sci-fi-ish it's like i want to go back to the original roots of final fantasy so when nine hit like yes we're back to yeah. the knights and and yeah. uh, mages and, mages black and, and white mages. swords yeah. and to me to me that is final fantasy that is that is the yeah. core of what makes it what it is so I, I appreciate what they've done with 15 and and with 13 that's why, but that's why 10 is interesting because it's a really nice mix of both yeah and In i think that's ways. why i like 12 is because it's this really intricately fleshed out version of that medieval representation with a little bit of mix of that that sci-fi futurism modern stuff yeah yeah so um yeah congratulations guys reach out to me with what console you'd like it on and we will get you a copy um i won't i won't reach out to you first so make sure you reach out to me because i want to make sure you hear it on the show and be surprised i think they're both u.s based so oh dear okay well that should be easy then yeah uh, I like I like the Sarah Irvin one. She's got the correct surname for it. Yeah, she does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's take a quick peek at what's coming up. Uh, we have Dan's marathon game of Project Eden. <laughs> oh, have fun with that. <laughs> uh, we got a, we got a message from him whilst we've been recording this. By the way, he's finished it. Oh, good. Thanks, Dan. About oh, fifteen course. hours he did apparently. Thanks. Oh, so How? that's about 30 hours How? for us. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> that would take me forever. Then we've got a 70 Eternal hours. Darkness and Luigi's Mansion are our next three games coming up uh, that carry us through the end of October. Yeah. Whoop, nice. God, I can't believe we're wrapping up to the end of the year already. Yeah. Eric, are we going to mention um, our yearly contest? We'll be coming up yes. soon. Yes. Obviously, we haven't got a yes. date for it yet, but. Yes. Uh, the Sega Genesis Mini, that has a release date, doesn't it? Yeah, but I mean, like, the for the for the actual contest because I think we're going to need more time than that. when does the Sega Genesis mini come out let me have a look dear it's not long enough I think it's I think it's in September oh god September That's what I mean so so here we go uh, annually yeah. we have this will be the third annual um, factory sealed straddling contest which yields some very impressive results <laughs> um, we will post some some details on it but essentially all you have to do is post a picture of you straddling something. Uh, there are very basic rules. Um, I will post a bunch of reference pictures, but both feet must be off the ground. One hand must be up in the air, and you must not look like you're enjoying it. Those are the uh, those are the basic rules. <laughs> Expressionless, of it. Expressionless. Like. deadpan, serious. Um, <laughs> is there is there a pinky qualifier this year? Um, I mean, anything that you do to be unique about it <laughs> will add points to it because this is one of the few contests where we will actually judge your entry. It will not be random. It will be completely judged. So know your audience. Um, you know, the, the winners in the past have really knocked it out of the park. I think the first one that we did with uh, Scott Girardi where he uh, straddled that giant fish, that was... Uh, the, no, that the, was last uh, year, wasn't it? That was last year. That was last year, because yeah, I think he... What, didn't oh, he it was win? a Super it was, Nintendo one, yeah. It? Yeah. yeah, and then wasn't it Chad? No, Chad got beat out by um, the arcade cabinet. <laughs> Quentin by Quentin because we did a random oh, draw right. that year. 
That's right. But um, that was that was the year I did the tiger. Good lord. Yeah, the quality of the, <laughs> the quality of the picture, um, the framing, everything. You know, make it make it as creative as possible. But we'll definitely post. Uh, we'll post details on that coming up. But yeah, keep, basically keep an eye out for it. But I've, we'll. This we'll is, make sure it covers over multiple shows so that those of you that aren't part of the community will know that like it's up there if you want to come and join us and join in. This is my favorite part of the year. I love when we get yeah. to do straddling contests. Um, I was a bit worried last year because we didn't have any entries for the first few weeks, did we? Yeah, but then they came oh, yeah. flooding in. I think, I think we'll have a lot more now that we're three years into this and, and people see how yeah. fun it is. Um, and the community's grown as well. So Yeah, it'll still oh. be as ridiculous as ever. Uh, then... Gonna have to limber up. <laughs> I think we should probably mention just so people can start planning on whether or not, whether or not they want to partake. I know we're still three months away from it, but we are going to be doing a uh, factory sealed secret Santa again this year. So I'll post some details out on that probably mid October, but just giving you a heads up that uh, we will be doing that again this year. So I forgot that was a thing last year. Yeah, that was great last year. We had a really good turnout for it. So. Guys, that's uh, that's gonna do it for this week. That's gonna do Absolutely. it. Tom, what are you gonna do with yourself now that you're done uh, with your uh, side quest of horse dumping bodies yeah. in a lake? I put the controller coming. down and I thought, the hell do I do now? Marco Cree is not gonna go back in that system, so what am I? <laughs> and then I thought, well. Plague why Tale? did you play Mark? Of, why did you play Mark of Cree in your PS2? In your PS4, PS2 even. game. Yeah, but you just said in that system. In your PS4, I meant to say. Oh yeah. Oh, that's why he enjoyed it. He played. <laughs> <laughs> he put Red Dead in his PlayStation 2, and it didn't work. Yeah. So that's why he enjoyed it because he didn't have to play it. Oh, I guess it's time to put all the rest of my life into Project Eden. I suppose. Thanks, Dan. Patreon supporters with an extra special shout out to the following Santos Lopez, Zach Foley, Jeremy Sanford, Miles Prower, Thomas McGrew, Jeremy Lucas, Nicholas Bradley, Jordan Lawfrey, Richard Cutris, Chad Schaefer, Phil Gartside, Stephanie, James Hall, Samuel Chun, and Sarah Irvine.